1: here it goes here it goes
2: goes, here it goes again oh here it goes again i should have known should have known should have known again
1: i should have known again
2: here it goes one more time it's 2021 when you're watching this happy new year everybody How are you? I am Jimmy Wong, one of the co-hosts of the Command Zone podcast. You almost stole my line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) How's it? It's Josh Lee Kwai. It's uh, it's kind of the end of year episode, but it's actually the beginning of a new year when you're watching this because we just had so much to cover in the quote-unquote year of Commander, and that's exactly what we're talking about today.
1: Yeah, we're going to start off 2021 by looking back at 2020. Indeed. So Gavin came on our channel in late 2019 and sort of... Talked about the year of Commander that was going to be 2020, which we just got done, you know, experiencing. (laughs) And the, the big catchphrase for the whole year was, it's a great time to be a Commander player.
2: Yeah, and I think that's generally true. Morrow recently said on his blog as well that yes, Commander is the most popular format. Just uh, straight up now. Just straight up, yeah. It was edging towards it for a while. There was like a poll on his Twitter a long time ago where it was 50-50 with draft. So we're going to look at all of the things that Gavin and Watsi talked about as well as sort of review what happened in the year, where where we came from, where we might be going, how we feel. Yeah, was the year of Commander a success? Mm-hmm. I'll tell you one thing that is a success though ordering from cardkingdom.com slash command zone <laughs> because they have some of the best customer service in the business. I've had multiple people message me saying, I asked for one kind of this token and they hand drew me like 10 rock tokens. I think someone was inspired by your Tago deck. Wow, I'm jealous. I wish I could have those rock tokens. Yeah. So if you want to buy magic cards, whether it's singles, sealed product or whatever, it's a great way to kick off the new year. It's also a great gift to yourself, to someone else. If you missed Christmas or any of the holidays, because or you have
1: like um, some Christmas cash or holiday oh, cash. Like that's yeah. a good idea too. That's, that's the best gift that i always like receiving is just money and then i can spend it on magic cards i also like to brew decks around the christmas time because i have so much more
2: time to actually open up my binder and not worry about having to clean it up the next day before work or whatever it is so cardkingdom.com slash command zone you're supporting this channel but you're also getting the thing that you
1: love most magic cards uh, Kaldheim also right on the horizon. Oh. If you can't pre-order it yet, which I think you maybe can, but even if not, it'll be very, very soon. So keep your eyes out for it. It looks pretty sweet. Yeah. Speaking of which, Ultra Pro is our other sponsor. They make all the stuff that protects your magic cards. Mm-hmm. So we're talking play mats, deck boxes, sleeves, and they also always have the license for the actual magic art. So you can theme your decks out to, like, I'm sure the Kaldheim stuff is coming out, uh, with ultra pro meaning that if you have a certain legendary creature you want to build around there's a good chance that they make a playmat that has that legendary creature on it that they have sleeves Mm -hmm. deck boxes with that legendary creature on it and now they have all these alternate arts and
2: showcase arts in the frames as well and what they've done with the kaldheim frames is really cool so you're gonna see some frame yeah it looks looks like hand etched and stuff so you're gonna see some of that on playmats as well and ultra pro the only place to
1: get it All right, Um, though, sorry, the final way to support all of our content is directly if you go to patreon.com slash command zone, all kinds of perks. One thing you get to do is watch game nights and extra turns earlier than the general public. You also get to talk with Jimmy and I on our discord each and every single day. And of course, uh, one of the coolest perks is that we select one random patron every single episode. And this episode is dedicated to to Hayden Steele. Hayden. Wow. Cool name, and you rock. Yeah, it's kind of Kaldheim flavor. Yeah. Yeah, very nice. <laughs> All right, let's move into the main topic here, which is how good was the Year of Commander? Pretty good, but there's a lot to discuss because, boy, oh, boy, this is
2: a hefty outline today. Yeah. So, again, Gavin visited our set last year. You guys are more than welcome to watch that video and see what we talked about and then compare it to what happened this year. But watch this video first. Uh, <laughs> he also released an article alongside our video. And we're going to start there because he wrote down three key learnings that Wizards of the Coast was focused on. And we're paraphrasing some of the notes from the article. This is stuff he wrote in late 2019, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. 2019, actually, on uh, October 30th. Okay. So the first thing was, there's a huge appetite for Commander. The first official Commander product came out in 2011, and now Commander is now confirmed. At the time, I think there were still a little like, oh, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. The most popular format in Magic. And there used to be more sparse products for players. There was the Commander Anthology, Battle Bond, and Conspiracy were kind of flavored towards Commander players. Um, so the plan for this next year, for 2020, which we just had, was to create more products
1: and things for all kinds of Commander players. Uh, the second point was that players need reprints, so. Even in late 2019, they were saying the format of Commander is growing, reprints are needed. Uh, Even cards that have been reprinted recently. Yep, they made a point to say that. Yeah, it might need to be reprinted again. uh, You need access to the staples for a deck, so more Commander focused products means more opportunities to reprint these cards. And then we have in quotes here, I think many of you will be happy with the reprints coming throughout 2020. So this is something they said in late 2019. We're going to find out later (laughs) if if that uh, promise was fulfilled, right? And Gavin even
2: said, I look forward to seeing this quoted on the internet later. (laughs) So (laughs) he knew. Uh, And the last point that he made is that people are learning through Commander. And Gavin said that many players are coming into Magic through Commander or picking up Commander early, sort of, in their Magic careers. And, you know, everyone realizes that Commander might not be the ideal way to learn Magic. Four players, 100-card decks, singleton format, a lot to process. Huge card pool. Yeah. But many players are still doing it that way because they want to do what their friends are doing. And as the most popular format, there's a high likelihood that your friends are playing Commander. So they wanted to make a landing pad for Commander players as well.
1: Yeah, it doesn't matter if it's the best way or not. If that's what people are doing, then you should try and like make it at, totally. least, yeah, at least work for them. Um, okay, so we're going to be covering these points across the episode today. But it's good to know what Watsi and Gavin identified sort of as you put the North Star guiding yeah. points for commander design needs uh, for 2020. All right, so let's dive into what actually happened this year. And oh boy, it's a lot. Last year. Last year, sorry. And we're not
2: even covering everything, by the way. We're covering everything I think that is most sort of pertinent to commander players and we'll go through in chronological order very quickly here
1: okay so i'm assuming that our editors will create some sort of graphic on screen that keeps track of all the stuff we're about to say because <laughs> we're going to go through all the products not all but the major products that were released last year mm-hmm. it's easy to forget but we started the year with theros beyond death that came out on january 24th yep. this was a regular set and more similar to the old style of set in that there were no commander decks tied to this set Yep, uh, and so yeah, we had the game nights for at the beginning of the year. Yep. That uh, Krim and, of, uh, yeah,
2: it was Krim and Ashland, uh, Ashland, right? And it, it, there were a lot of cards for there in Commander, and they were great for Commander, but it wasn't sort of like I think the year of Commander It hadn't really like officially begun yet. I think right. Um, the second big product to come out, and this is one that we'll talk a lot about today, is the mystery booster product. Originally, this was a Uh, a product that was only available in conventions and there was a special convention edition but in march they released it as a retail edition with reprints across magic's history going as far back as mirage supplemental sets and there were 1694 cards of equal rarity 1700 cards 1700 card set um, but you could get these booster boxes i think they're still easy to get now so it's definitely a product that they were hoping to introduce a lot of reprints to the format i think
1: yeah, we've called it the greatest PiGao magic <laughs> magic product. Yeah, or Chaos Drafting would be amazing with it yeah, too. Yeah, that's really what it was supposed to be. It was supposed to be Chaos Drafting uh, dot set. Yeah. Dot deck, dot set. That works. <laughs> All right, the third major project to come out last year was the Ikoria set. This was on April 17th. Again, a regular set, but it was the first time we ever had Commander decks, Commander pre-cons, come out and be tied to a specific standard legal set so Icoria was the monster mutate mm. set and not just regular commander decks this was the commander 2020
2: release normally yeah. it happens in like august or even december or even in years past now it's happening as early as april and instead of four decks this year they made five they went back
1: to five right yeah went five back for a time. while oh you're, right, you're four right for a while right. then went back to five now
2: uh, 71 total new cards and one deck was directly tied to the set which was like the Mutate uh, Otrimi deck
1: yeah and the Catharole deck too right yeah because of the ability counters ability counters so there was a couple yeah so yeah. Ikoria Commander which came out at the same time as Ikoria but was really what we referred to as the C20 the mm-hmm. Commander 20 product because in mean, before we'd have like C19 C18 C17 yep um, that also had Gavi Nest Warden Jarena Kudrow so it, it was three colors
2: and had a lot of interesting cards in there um, but you know kind of took me by surprise it was so early in the year to start thinking about the big commander release
1: and it was interesting to be dealing with commander release at the same time in other sets coming coming out right you're yeah. we always used to having the commander product come out and be its own thing and have its own time period that you're discussing it some breathing room maybe we'll go into this a little bit <laughs> more. <after. laughs> yeah uh, let's keep going down the calendar here so the next product was kind of the fifth major product that came out in 2020 which was Corset. 2021, M21. Like it's like a car. It always comes out a year early. Yeah, I think they name it that way because of big box retailers like Walmart and Target and they don't want to keep things on their shelf that have the previous year. Oh, that's, that's what I've always heard. So they always name it one year ahead. Uh, this came out on July 3rd. Again, it was more like a regular core set that we're used to in the past. No Commander decks were tied to this set yep uh thank goodness <laughs> yeah
2: the next thing to come out was jumpstart on july 17th and this was a new format this was a new way to play it was aimed at players to just get into magic really quickly you know we've had heard of pie gal magic or sort of like you know booster you know flip cards and see what cmc wins but jumpstart had these cool packs that you would take two of them randomly shuffle them together and then you would make a 40 card deck and then boom you could immediately play with your friends
1: so yeah pretty cool idea um jumpstart was beleaguered by like production issues. Pandemic was in full swing at this point. So yes. they ran into a bunch of issues with that. Uh, did get to, I got to play it a little bit on arena, which ended up being oh, quite cool. a bit of fun. Um, yeah, there was brand new cards in this, though. It was mostly reprints, but there were a few brand new cards, notably a bunch of legendary creatures. Yeah. Um, but again, this set was hard to get a hold of, and they had a production issues. So to this day, it's, it's actually different. kind of hard to find the cards from that from Jumpstart. Mm-hmm. Uh, we keep saying this, but I still think it's true. Uh, I hope they reprint this the whole thing again so that more cards get out into the wild. I hope they do that for Commander Legends, too, to be honest. I would like to have this year back so I can play it in person <laughs> with people. Uh, The next big major release was Double Masters. This was on August 7th, and this was similar to Master sets in the past. It was Mm. a draft set um, entirely of reprints, but this was a set where each booster pack included two rares, (gasps) yeah, or mythics, and you got more cards per pack and everything like that, and so that was kind of the... I mean, that was just the hook for whatever this set was, right? Yeah, guaranteed foil. You drafted a little differently as well.
2: Again, we weren't able to really experience this in person, so a lot of people played it online. But Double Masters and sort of Eternal Masters and the Master sets in the past have sort of been seen as a, like, hey, Commander players, this is kind of for you, to be honest um next up was zendikar rising which is a set that uh, is our background behind us right now it was released on september 25th and this was a main set back to zendikar uh we knew this was coming obviously because they announced this very early on um and then we had these really cool modal dfc cards that came in uh the new lands and all that
1: stuff yep and with that set this was the first time that this ever happened they released they started releasing what we're calling the set decks Mm -hmm. the commander pre-cons there's only two of them they're more geared towards newer players uh but there's there was two for Zendikar Rising. Anawan. And Obun. Aboon, that's right. Yeah. So they're supposedly, and I, I don't think they've said for every single set, but for most sets now moving forward, they're going to be accompanied by two Commander Precons. Mm-hmm. It gets confusing because these are not the same Precons as the Commander Product Precons, like the ones that came with Ikoria that we're used to. Right. We're still, I guess the, the community at large is still trying to figure out the terminology for these things. So, so it <laughs> makes it hard to talk about them when they sound the same. But the commander decks from Zendikar Rising are not the same as the commander decks from Ikoria. Yeah. Hopefully that makes sense to everybody out there. Yeah, but they did say that the reprints can
2: be from anywhere. So this was another vehicle, I think, for them to reprint some cards. And if you go back and watch our set deck reviews, we go through all of that and talk about what gets reprinted.
1: Oh, yeah, and we should say in the, in the set decks, the one where there's only two of them, there's less new cards in those pre-cons. There's yeah. only three new cards, whereas in the commander product, like a Coria, those commander decks have, you know, 13, 14, sometimes 20 new cards. Yeah,
2: but notably, the commanders are brand new, and yeah. that is, I think, uh, again, like, it's a great entry point, and the, the price point's a little lower, too. I think yep. this was sort of... Like, 25 bucks-ish. Yeah, harkening back to their point that they want to make a commander a better landing pad for new players... Um the next set was the one that we spent the last 10 weeks covering. It's Boy. Commander Legends came out on November 20th and we pumped out episode after episode because there were 70 brand new legendary creatures, a whole host of new partner creatures, new partner in in monocolor pairings as well, and it was also a draftable commander set. So in the 99 was a ton of cards as well.
1: Yeah, this is the biggest set we've ever had to cover. And you could probably tell, we ended up doing, like, what, 11 episodes just reviewing the the <laughs> cards from the set. Because there were so many new cards. Most sets come out and they have 15-ish mm-hmm. legendary creatures. So that's just one video. This one had 70. So all of a sudden, that's five videos just for legendary creatures. And then most sets have, you know, two or three cards per color that we want to talk about in the set review. This one had so many more because it was designed for Commander. Yeah. Yeah. So a really big set for uh, for us and for the the format of commander and we'll we'll talk about how we think commander legends did, but it, it was everything that uh, that they promised it would be as far as, like, it made a big splash. It definitely made a big splash.
2: And just like Zendikar Rising had a set deck with it, Commander Legends was considered, I guess, a normal enough set release that they also released two additional decks. There are only three new cards in them, but, I've got, again, one of them was the front-facing Commander. And these were cards that, you know, sort of paired kind of well with Commander Legends, but, again, were separate from the set, but had their own decks. They're easier entry
1: points. There's a lot of lot of things to consider. <laughs> okay. I'm gonna propose something here, Jimmy. Let's see if you're open to it. Oh, okay. I wanna call these mini commander decks. Ooh, mini. I know wizards won't like that terminology because it makes them sound smaller. <laughs> but I think that in order to separate regular commander product that we were been used to in the past that come that yeah. are that that come with like 15 new cards. You know, three new, new yeah. legendaries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are the Commander Precons, the Commander Product Precons. The Jumbo Commanders. Yeah. <laughs> because they do come in the Jumbo size. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. that's true. There are not uh, oversized cards for these, wow. these Mini Commander Precons. So, the Mini Commander Precons, um, we got was Car Rising and Commander Legends. I think that's what we should call them from now on. I love think? it. Uh, right. I have a
2: counter suggestion. Uh-oh. What if we called it Tiny Leaders? <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Okay. okay. <laughs>
1: uh, and then there was a last product. And you know what? This is the very first time we're talking about this product on our show because we've spent so long talking yeah. about Commander Legends. So it came and went, or it's still available, obviously. But I mean, it came out on December 4th, and we just haven't been able to address it until now. But it was in the video that we, we actually previewed the card from it in the video yeah, with Gavin. It, in the video with Gavin in 2019, talking about the year of Commander, we did talk about this product. It was the Commander Collection Green. And this was for WPN stores only, it came, or it comes in foil and non-foil versions. and I believe it's eight green or green-themed cards. They say that because there is a soul ring and a command tower in it, but the art is green-themed in both of those. Mm -hmm. Although, technically, you could put those in a blue deck if you wanted to. That would be weird, but you could do it. Um, And they reprinted (laughs) things like Bane of Progress and... Worldly uh, Tutor. Sylvan Library.
2: But the idea that these were green commander staples, uh, they are the cards that, if you're going to play green, you could definitely use every single card in this sort of collection.
1: Seedborn Muse was the other preview, I think. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, and I think we didn't cover it because... You know, there's not a lot to say about that product. If you want those cards or need those cards, then it's probably a decent one to get.
2: A lot of people also aren't going to their physical stores, which sure. is where the place you would get it as well. But uh, I mean, you can still order order online, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the nice thing is that they, they did, you know, all these cards are pretty playable and they are used quite often. So they did fulfill that part of it, I think.
1: All right, so that's the major releases for the year. There were 12 of them. There were only 12 months in a year. So like Jeez. average out one per month sort of, Fairly major commander focused or at least, you know, a standard set, I would say, affects commander mm-hmm. a decent amount product. We're talking about hundreds of new cards as well. Normally
2: in a year, I mean, let's think about back to like our first year as a podcast. We had the major commander releases, Conspiracy, and then just your three sets, your core set and then two other sets. Yeah. Three, three sets this is basically yeah. double that and that number has been going up I think since we started the
1: podcast and Josh and I feel a brunt of it
2: every year <laughs>
1: <laughs> so that that was a lot and we should talk about one other thing here yes because this is another new thing they started doing and they did a lot of this year because they tested it at the end of 2019 it's the secret layer stuff so there's these drops that are available on a certain website for limited a time. limited amount of time and they're usually reprints and re new art yeah uh, of certain <laughs> almost parts. always new oh, reprint. I'm yeah. gonna say usually, but it's not always as we learned, and we'll talk about that too. There were 26 of these, although, what. Although there were actually 27 if you count the Ultimate Edition, which was the Fetchland one, but that one went only into stores. Yeah, and was kind of a joke, all things considered, in terms of value and all that. Right. Yeah, 26 Secret Layers. There's 52 weeks in a year, so that's one every other week if you average it out. Right. Uh, They came out with like five right at the end all at once, so that kind of bumped the average, I think, but still. Yeah, definitely. um, I guess, Jimmy, we're going to discuss how the year went. Do you want to start with Secret Layers? Yeah. What do you think about Secret Layers? In general. Obviously, we'll cover the Walking Dead thing very quickly on its yeah, own. Yeah. So let's 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 put that aside for now. But just the idea of secret layers and secret layers, you know. As executed, what do you think? I think the number one issue that a lot of players have identified, and
2: people like Professor speak to this as well, is that this does kind of affect the local game store quite a bit because Wizards is essentially saying that, hey, look, we're selling what is akin to singles in a lot of ways, but these come in these packages, and they're special foiled or blinged-out versions of those cards. Um, I'm someone that sort of analyzes and watches the market, Every single one of these secret layers, the card values of all of them, they'll sell for much more than they actually cost. So these are clearly highly sought after. They're clearly collectible. And wait, wait, you mean the the card singles? Once you have them, will sell
1: for more than you paid for the secret? Yeah. Layer?
2: So let's say you paid thirty dollars for a secret layer. You try and sell. You buy it. You sell all the cards individually. You're going to get more than those thirty dollars if you sell it for the price right. that they're going for. So every single one of those cards gain value, and I think that is something that's actually really interesting because. It means that these have value. They're not just sort of things that you can ignore because they're also limited sale. Um, Players would definitely want to get their hands on them. And I personally... I like them. I like the cards. I think the art's really cool. I think it's a cool way to get new arts on some classic Commander cards. It's a fun time to also see some joke cards get in there too and joke art and stuff. They had like a Year of the Rat uh, themed one that was really neat. Um, So I personally do like it, but 26 of them in a year for a collector, that's a serious dent in anyone's wallet. So I don't like it for that fact. I think if they slowed down the pace of it, it would be a little nicer, but... For me, it, it just sort of sits in this weird zone where I don't want to just keep having to shell out for these things because they're
1: so exclusive. Yeah, there's they're really trying to capitalize on that FOMO thing, right? Where it's like, yeah. oh boy, if I don't get it now, it's going to be more expensive later. So will it's not just do I want it, it's also will I ever want it? Yeah. Because a lot of times that art is exclusive and maybe not ever exist on uh, a version of that card again. I mean, we don't know, right? Yeah. They haven't made a lot of rules, hard and fast rules about how this is gonna work, but like if you want, you know, that particular Bitter Blossom or those tokens. You gotta get the set. Probably gotta get the secret layer version. It's probably unlikely to pop up again in that exact same form somewhere else. They might reprint Bitter Blossom, but yeah. you know, with different whatever, art showcase whatever the different foiling, whatever yeah, 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 wait, yeah. I have no idea, but with slight tweaks. Um I like what you said about so many of them. I think I had to reprogram my brain, because when it started happening, I was like, oh, I bought the first one, bought the second one. You know, we're, we have a magic podcast. We obviously like magic cards. And then by, like, the fourth or fifth one, I was like, oh, I'm not going to be able to keep up. Like, yeah. I, there's I, I just threw away the idea that I would ever have all of them. And mm-hmm. now I just look at each one and be like, do I want those cards? Yeah. And so, like, when they did the gods from original Theros and stuff, I was like, oh, I want those. So I bought you know that one but then i was like a lot of them i'm like nah, no interest don't need those cards yeah and some of them aren't they're not like commander focused
2: either and i don't know if this plays into the year of commander because this feels like it's something different but there were a lot of staples along the way but it wasn't like a commander collection type thing so i feel that is nice in that it is more targeting the players that want to have like their yargle themed cards or whatever it is and so it's a little less targeted but it still is just overwhelming especially the end of year five mega drop bundle if you want to get all of them it's hundreds of dollars it's
1: like oh gosh did you get the five mega drop bundle uh i did i did not yeah interesting because i I get a lot more sealed product than you in general
2: i i took a break as well because like how many boxes of commander legends did you buy i didn't get any this year because i figured you know what i got a case it's going to be around so i'll hopefully be able to pick up the singles and whatever but i'd rather you know get this exclusive thing and i get that bit bit. quite a Um, and these sales, it's not like, you know, our Kickstarter run for a month. We give people a lot of time to do it. And the reason that we do it is because we don't want to keep stock. It's easier for us to fill it this way. These go for a day, two days, three days sometimes. And it really does kind of catch you off guard because if you don't have, let's say, you know, your paycheck or your funds at that moment, it feels really difficult to get these sorts of things.
1: Yeah. I just think it's interesting that dichotomy with different kinds of personality types and people, whereas like you got that, I got more boxes of commander legends, just thinking like, well... I want to have those so that hopefully next year when the pandemic's over, we can actually draft this thing. Right. So I yeah, want to yeah, have yeah. a number of boxes and I don't know if they're going to reprint it. So it was the same kind of deal. And yeah, but the secret layers just don't call, don't speak to me that much. Yeah. Um, it's tough. I think we have to just table set. Magic and WotC
2: and Hasbro are all companies that are ultimately going to be focused on making a profit. Yeah. And secret layer, from what it seems, from what they've told us, seems to be a really successful way for them to make profit money so i don't think it's going anywhere anytime soon so a lot of our grievances are just going to still be there with it
1: i don't and my grievances aren't super large right like it's just not necessarily for me most of the time and that's totally fine yeah
2: all right till there was one secret Uh, that made everyone very angry and upset righteously so i think in a lot of ways um people got very angry about the walking dead secret layer which because it created cards that had never existed before they were legendary creatures so it felt like just like hey commander players look at this and it was hard not to look
1: yeah uh there was a whole bunch of reasons why people were mad about this and jimmy we laid out our opinions in an entire video mm-hmm. it's called walking dead secret layer exposed or something it's one like of that the
2: only secret layers i did not buy by the way just so everyone knows
1: uh, so this is a thing where it kind of felt like if you were ever want those cards and they are commander illegal and it's the only place as far as we know that you'll ever be able to get them, although they have said since that they could reprint these cards. In the, but at the time it a was unclear. damage control, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, anyway, there was a lot of hullabaloo if you're around the Magic community you knew what that was. I don't want to go into it all right here, because we already Watch did Watch our video. we have We laid out our it. opinion about it. But Thank anyway, goodness. that was a thing that happened. Thank goodness people stopped tweeting me about it, too. <laughs> all right, let's talk about the Commander product that's been tied to set releases. So, Ikoria, Zendikar Rising, Commander Legends. We now have Commander uh, uh, Precon decks and Mini Commander decks. Mm-hmm. See what I did there? Um, I like it. That come with each product now. I don't know if it's going to be everyone moving forward, but a lot of them. What do you think about this? Because From a content creator standpoint is one thing, and then from, you know what I mean? Right, right.
2: I mean, we had a lot of episodes this year that were just kind of solely dedicated to doing card reviews, uh, deck upgrades, and that is kind of exhausting from a content creator standpoint because it doesn't let us do some of the more informative and interesting episodes like The Art of War, X Magic, you know, and so... It is nice because you know that you have an episode to do and it's going to serve the player base and you're helping the player base out. But at the same time, it doesn't let you flex as hard as you want to.
1: But we're also really busy here, so it's kind of a weird balance, I think. Yeah, I think separating our content creator selves is difficult because if you're an average person out there, you don't have the same exhaustion maybe that we have. But man, when the commander precon decks for Commander Legends came out, it was just like we already got to do a million videos and now we got to do two videos about these decks. Yeah. And it wasn't, I don't want to sound like, Oh, we have, you know, we're being forced to do the, yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. It's just, you do have that little voice in your head. That's like, man, this is a lot that we have to do. And I kind of, that makes you say in your head, that little voice says, I kind of wish they didn't make these mini commander decks because then we wouldn't have to make these pre-crunk upgrades for them. (laughs) Yeah. And, And, But I mean, I hope they've been popular. I have no read right now on the community because of the pandemic and whether or not these were successful in what they're supposed to do, which is right. give sort of a nice landing pad or a launching place for new players to get into Commander. Did, yeah. Yeah, I'd be I'd like to hear from people out there in the comments and things like that if you think that the mini Commander decks were successful. Yeah, did in, you buy them? Did you upgrade them? Did you give it to a new player? What did you Are you do? a new player that got into Commander because of them? Mm-hmm. Or they helped you? Maybe not because of them, but you wanted to get in and you were like, oh, this is a nice you know, way to
2: help me get in. Even if you're a new player and you didn't get them, are you thinking, hey, this actually would have been a nice way to start or you know like just even looking in retrospect and seeing whether or not you think you would like it um you know i think ultimately if it did succeed in that and brought players in and gave them a safe and easy way to sort of beginning to play the format then thumbs up for me i my content creator side itself that's the most important part i remember playing commander for the first time and i kind of didn't have a great time because i was so overwhelmed with what was happening (laughs) everyone's like here's my sick deck i'm like uh Wait, I had to read every card the Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> Give me like a 10 minutes just to get through my opening hand. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah, I would love to hear from people out there and your experience. Yeah, that's a good idea. It, this is a hard thing to get a, a read on when you're an experienced player. So it, it'll be nice to hear from some new, newer players. Yeah. All right, let's talk about the big one. I, we're not going to break down every set or anything. So let's talk about Commander Legends, though. Yep,
2: 70 new legends uh, across 10 episodes. We covered all of it, or 11. Tons of new playable cards for the 99 and a bunch of new partners that were monocolored as well. I think we can generally say it was definitely a success, but there were a couple of
1: problematic things that we also addressed this year. Yeah, there were three cards we kind of called out um, as problematic that we didn't really love. Jeweled Lotus, Hole Breacher, Opposition Agent. I think we both can agree that we don't think those are... the healthiest for the format. We don't like the design on those. We kind of wish those didn't exist, but that's actually pretty good when you think about it, right? If at the start of the year I had said, they're going to come out with a set. It's designed around a commander. It has 70 new legends. It's all about drafting commander. All those cards are supposed to be, you know, there's a bunch of new cards that are going to be good, you know, designed for the format. Over under, how many of those cards do you think you're going to be like, I wish they didn't do that? I would have given like 20%, honestly, because I'm like, dang, that's a big design thing to fill. That box is massive. So for them to only have three cards in that set that are like borderline to us, I actually think is is well <laughs> it's well under what I would have would have guessed, right? Like yeah listen, their design like designing is an art form, it's a creative form. Um, they're guessing at a lot of things. So to ask them to be able to just pinpoint sniper uh, rifle, hit the bullseye every time, I don't think it's possible, which is why mistakes are made. Because they gotta push boundaries, they gotta try stuff. So Gavin's I Gavin's also been doing this for what,
2: six years working on this work on set, the set. So yeah. he's been trying to snipe from the past to the future as well. So there's a lot of room for error there if they're not careful.
1: Yeah, so I think actually, like, the three cards are very,
2: very, very forgivable. And they're clearly the pushed ones, too. Yeah. Because I don't... I think if you look at the rest of the set, there's nothing that really creeps towards that insane power level compared to those three. And we have all
1: the partners. Like, if you would have told me, hey, there's 40 new partners. Oh, man. I mean, like, the last time they did what? uh, What'd they start with? 16 of them? Yeah. However many, they start 12. I forget. But... There were already like three or four in there that were broken. So I would have said, oh, well, of the 40, there's going to be 10 that are absolutely broken. and Or pushed in the wrong way or unhealthy or whatever it is. Yeah, and, and yet all the new partners are kinda, great. Kind of hit like a really nice sweet spot so far. It's pretty yeah. early, so we may find that one or two of them is kind of more pushed than we realize at this moment. But right Put now, down. I don't think there's any that I'm like, well, they shouldn't have done that. Well, the nice thing is, is that as mono colored they don't
2: bust the format open as much because with the two color ones yeah. you pair them with another two color one now you have a four color deck and now you're into CDH territory because of all the access to cards they're low CMC keeping it to mono colored and then the focusing on like themes and lesser used things in Magic's history or playing in spaces that they haven't played as much in I honestly think that partner those that series of partners is some of the best design work that I've ever seen from Commander stuff.
1: It really the only ones that are broken are the ones that are broken when you put them with Thrasios who's already broken you know <laughs> yeah. or Timno or one of the other old yeah, yeah 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 so pretty impressive actually i'd say as a design feat I, I think you know this set is kind of a home run they did a really great job with it and so many yeah like we said that about about the partners right but the non-partner legendary creatures a lot of awesome designs and yeah. nothing in there that's insanely like broken like the cards we complain about are the two lanes and the arcs and stuff of the world It didn't feel like that there this set had a, a lot of that yeah thank goodness yeah
2: so the question i have a couple of them What does this year look like without Commander Legends? Is it still a great time to be a Commander player? What does this year look like if it's only Commander Legends? Because if it's only Commander Legends, I think it's still a great time to be a Commander player because this single set, honestly, I don't even need to look at the
1: other sets. This set alone could have filled my appetite for a whole year. There's so much going on here. Yeah. It's interesting because I think if you look at the rest of the year without Commander Legends, it only has the two mini Commander decks that come out with Zendikar Rising. Yeah. And then, you know, if they did it for whatever set came in place of Commander Legends, that really differentiates it that much from a normal year. You know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? Like, yeah. there's a core set, there's a master set, there's a bunch of standard legal sets. There's, like, one extra set in Mystery Boosters, but that's not really specifically for Commander. It would yeah. have been a, a good extra commander set but commander legends is really what sort of puts it into the category of like this is abnormal for yeah. the amount of commander stuff that's come in and abnormal because commander legends brings with it a so swath much. of stuff yeah so commander legends really is what caused it to be the year of commander which is ironic because it came at the very end of the year but yeah so here's the question should we be
2: like we loved conspiracy so much we were screaming for conspiracy 2 and we got it should commander players be doing the same for commander legends
1: 2.0 yeah it's a it's an interesting question because. As much as I think Commander Legends was a quite big success, and it's amazing because you and I didn't even barely get to draft it because mm-hmm. of the, the the state of the world, right? We just can't get eight people in a room to draft it. So it might even be more awesome because we love the draft experience too. And, and, and the, from
2: what I've heard, it's really fun.
1: Yeah. So. I drafted it, you know, one time at Wizards two years ago, <laughs> you know, and it was awesome, but I can't really give a definitive, like, is it as good as Conspiracy or Battle Bond or something like that. Yeah. But, having said that, and I'm curious to hear if you agree, I don't really want them to do this again for a while. The only reason
2: I don't want them to is because of how long it took to make the first one, which means that they spent a lot of time. Two years ago, you saw a lot of the cards that, yeah. right? And you saw how but they, they were all there. They changed, yeah. yeah, a little bit. Whole Breacher didn't exist when That's I thought. That's a lot of time to really work and, and and test and make sure. And a lot of it, I think, was based off of Gavin's passion purely. So, like, the same way that Maro loves his unsets, Gavin must love his commander sets. So, I think... Pushing him to do more of the same quality means you need to let it t- give it time to simmer.
1: Yeah, we talk about this in Hollywood a lot how, like, the second uh, movie or the second season of a successful show is almost always not as good as the original because you got to realize they have usually 12, 15 years of working to just get somebody to give them the money to yeah. make the first movie or and the been first season. It. They've been thinking about it forever. <laughs> then it's successful and they're like, that show was so successful. You need to make season two and also it needs to come out next fall. Go. <laughs> and it's like, okay, yeah. The, the person's not necessarily a genius that created it. They just spent a long, long time thinking about it yeah. and now they have three months to before recreate they got the magic. Yeah, to do it again and usually that's not sufficient. So I Same like... Same goes for like bands and music and stuff too. Yeah. So I like what you said there. I, I hope they don't try and push Commander Legends out, you know, again in 2022 or something because I don't believe that the design... Will probably be as tight and as good, so they need to give it time to simmer. I also just think it wouldn't be healthy for Commander if every couple of years Ugh. we have seventy new legends and you know all these new cards designed for the format coming out, in addition to the Commander product which is already pushing a bunch yeah. of new stuff into the format. I think you know if we get this like once every five years, I feel like my brain's
2: filling up too. <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to remember. Like people are going to play cards and then more often than not now going to be like, can you tell me what that does, please? <laughs> Okay, so that's a good coverage of Commander Legends. I think we both we're both in general agreement. It was a success, and I think kudos to the design team as well as everyone that helped play test this to get it to the state that it was in. It could have been really bad for
1: the format. Think about that, right? It could have been awful. Imagine if like there were four cards or even two cards in there that had to be banned. Yeah, oh my gosh. I mean, look what happened to standard this year,
2: right? Yeah. The Uro and all that stuff. People were freaking out because they had to immediately get banned in this, the foremost in chaos.
1: Thank your stars that that did not happen with Commander Legends. Yeah, good job, Gavin. Good job, Jules. Good job, everybody over there. I think, you know, definitely that was a hard bar to clear, but you you all did a good job. All right, let's talk about this year as a whole, the quality of the Commanders that came out this year. You know, last year we had a lot of complaining to do about sort of generically good, packed with value. Tulane, Korvald, Yaruk, Urza. um, Extremely powerful, stuff with value, but Commanders... Uh, that we kind of are bored with, and we're bored with at the time because they were just so obviously good and powerful and it's kind of easy to build. Yeah, it's written on the
2: card. It's like, wow, that's just a ton of value. And fortunately, we didn't get too much of that this year because we got stuff like Obosh, Elena, which is like Red Ramp. Dargo, which has a really interesting synergies as well, and these are colors that just naming all the red cards. Yeah, name all the red cards. <laughs> but it was cool to see like these are lesser serviced colors, and they open they're opening new options and play styles for commander, and I think that's an important area to explore. Not just like, well, how much more value can we cram into a band card?
1: Yeah. Oh, another simic card. They did do some of it, right? They yes. had the simic precon. This like, oh, another simic card that just draws you cards for like sneezing. <laughs> You know, oh, I, I picked my toe. I get to uh, draw a card Draw a card now. and put yeah, a land yeah. on the battlefield. Yeah, cool, yeah. doing the thing. Yeah. I twiddled um, my fingers. I can draw a card now. So
2: let's talk about sort of the balance that was established this year uh, for the most powerful new commanders, our favorites, and maybe some commanders that push the design space in a healthy way. So the most powerful new commander, it turns out Ikoria was filled with them. Cause this is when we got Kinnan, Bonder Prodigy, Riel the Everwise, and Winoda Joiner of Forces. All very strong. All very strong. Now, I did like Riel because it, I think that is like a really cool place to play in. Um, and it opens up a bunch of old cards that weren't good and now are good. But it's also just really good with wheels. Yep, really good with wheels. And then Kinnon, both of us were like, wow, why does this need to exist? It's
1: just generically... Yeah, that's in the two lane mold, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Uro, Titan of Nature's Wrath, Oof. which was from Theros. Uh... Obviously, a very powerful card in all formats, but a very powerful commander. Yep. Omnath, Locus of Creation, the four-color
2: version, which probably means we're getting the five-color version soon, right? Probably. Um, this card, again, it just it's, it's one of those cards
1: that feels like a Chulain a little bit. It's got it all on the card. Yep. Landfall, do a bunch of stuff. You put Muxus Goblin Grandy. I got to admit, I haven't seen this deck in action. Is it very, very powerful?
2: Yeah, so I'm actually putting it on here not because of Commander so much, because I know it will be good in Commander because there's lots... Right now you have access to your Mana Crypts and so many other cards, but in Historic, the Muxus deck just absolutely wipes the table with people. Yeah, it can turn three or four, just kill someone, instant, single hit. So Muxus has a really powerful ability, and there's so many Goblin cards that can enable it. I think it is just one of the more powerful ways to build a Goblin deck
1: uh amareth the lustrous from commander legends we talked about kodama of the east tree we talked about a bunch of combos when we did the set review for that so most powerful commander i'm just going to run down the list here and then we can say what we think actually is the most powerful commander from this year it's keenan bonder prodigy real the everwise winota joiner of forces uro titan of nature's wrath omnath locus of creation Muxis, goblin grandee amareth the Lustrous, and Kodama of the East Tree. Jimmy, do you know which you think is the most powerful?
2: Uh, I kind of want to say Riel because it has so much play and there's so many blue-red decks that are already doing what Riel does and she just powers it up super hard. And I think both of those colors are pretty viable in Commander these days. Otherwise, I would just say I don't know any of the Simic ones.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Kinnan is who I'm going to say just because that deck can go off super fast, super early because it gets so much mana so fast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, doesn't surprise me that blue is in both of them and that
2: the probably the more powerful one is the one with green.
1: All right. Let's talk about our favorite new commanders, though, because that often doesn't line up with what is the most powerful. In fact, we made a list here and none of the most powerful commanders that we just talked about are on this list.
2: Because we built those decks. You know, <laughs> when's the last time you played your, uh, your, uh, little Mizzix of is Magnus deck, you know? Uh, yeah. I've
1: never yeah. <laughs> yeah, I played it in probably over a year. I've got to take it apart. I need that force of will back. <laughs> um, so our favorite new commanders, I put two on the list, Obeka, brute chronologist, and Obosh the Prey Piercer. Those were my two favorite decks that I built this year. This is the year that
2: Josh Lee Quai, I think, transformed into a red player, to be honest. (laughs) I tried.
1: A lot of yeah, a lot of
2: Raktos for Yeah, a lot of Raktos. I mean, that was kind of like me the year before. I've done a lot of Raktos as well. Um yeah, I love both those cards. Obeka's got great design being able to end the turn. If anyone's seen the extra turns, Josh has one or two turns in that game that are just like (laughs) i guess more than that because you're taking extra turns at the same time for for only two mana yeah really fun to see Uh, i put down three one is sakashima of a thousand faces Uh, And then I also put down Gen, Arcanum Weaver, and then Paco and Haldan, the pairing, uh, Mm. where you play fetch. I
1: would say Paco and Haldan is a very powerful combo, too. I think in CDH, that's doing some stuff, so. Yeah, it's really fun. You you did a budget version, though. Yeah, I did
2: a budget version, and that's why I really like the deck, too, is you get to play with other people's stuff. People don't always love that, but when you're playing cards that are like 50 cents
1: or 10 cents and you're beating people with their decks, it feels great. It's hard to complain that your deck's too powerful if it's using my cards yeah, against me. Yeah. Because, like, if I can't defeat the own, the cards in my own deck, then it's my own deck that's too powerful, right? Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Um, and then I really like Gen and
2: Weaver because it gives Mardu an option that isn't just beat face. Because, mm. you know, with Jarina Kudro, it's like, hey, do you want to attack? And it's like, no. So, Gen kind of gets around that, which is cool.
1: Uh, And then there were a bunch of commanders from Jumpstart that we haven't talked about at all yet. Commanders that pushed the design space, you know, in an interesting way. You put it in a healthy way. Yeah, I think that's the important thing here because
2: the cards we talked about before, you know, your Moldrothas and all those, like, just value-packed engine cards corvold makes you take a 20 minute turn right these aren't cards that necessarily do that these are cards that open up new places to play in and i put Bruvac the grandiloquent i know people are going to be like what mill pushes the format in a healthy way i'd say yes because mill hasn't been like a really viable thing in commander and it's it's its own double-edged sword if you mill someone out that is a dredge deck or has a lot of graveyard synergies you're or have in, a couple all drowsy <laughs> yeah you're in danger but it's cool that they made a commander and they changed the keyword as well to say mill now yeah that is cool i liked Inez the gale force too because it's kind of got this cool like switching creatures and passing stuff around the table it forces interactivity um so i thought jumpstart had a lot of interesting things in there emile the blessed was another it's a white green flicker deck too and i think that sort of stuff it has cool value in it you can do cool things in magic and it isn't just like ugh, here he goes he's got 60 lands on the table and well, not right. 60 he's got every land on the table and he's drawing so many cards we can't keep up with the value engine
1: yeah, if I if I couldn't kill that commander when it hit the table the very first time, this I had no chance to stop it. Yeah. Uh all right. So well, I mean in theory I like all that thing those things you said, but I never really got to see many jumpstart cards in nope. the wild because that's the, that's nobody th- has
2: it. Aye, there is the rub. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Overall though, what did we think about the new commanders, the way they designed, you know, the stuff that we could put in our command zone this year? Or sorry, last year, twenty twenty. One thumbs up? No, let's give them two thumbs up. I think they did a really good job this year, and they hit a pretty nice sweet spot. I mean, last year was kind of, like, not great, let's be honest. It's like, please, less powerful, please. (laughs) Please, less easy, too. Like, yeah, push us in some directions that we haven't been in before. Stop making cards that say, like, hey, every time you play a land, do everything, you know? Like, every time you play a creature, do everything, because it's just too easy. I get it. New players may like that, but it just... It just, when they're that powerful, it it kind of feels boring because how can my crazy contraption that's trying to play, you know, trying to like control the order of the attacking Mm -hmm. in the game, like really keep up with that. I think my only real complaint is that Boros, they just kind of shoehorned it
2: into, uh, you love equipment, don't you? Well, Uh, now you can attack and draw some cards with it now. It's like, but I have to play equipment and that's like 10, 13 cards in my deck. (laughs) Yeah. And somebody just
1: one removal spell, my whole game's over. Yeah. Slows me down quite a bit. Uh, All right. We are going to take a quick break to hear a message from our sponsors. But when we come back, we are going to talk about one of the biggest subjects every year that people are talking about, and that is reprints. How were the reprints in 2020? Did they give us what they promised? We're going to find out in just a minute.
0: Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well.
1: all right we
2: are back it is the commander uh, 2021 retrospective year in review was the year of commander good or not <laughs>
1: <laughs> we gotta work on our names
2: <laughs> yeah it might not be the most clickbait title we've ever made um so this is the big one reprints this is always something that's on players minds it was one of the big three points that gavin made in his sort of introduction to the year of commander uh
1: josh is trying to find the paper i threw it really far away i got the quote i got the quote perfect so here it is I think many of you will be happy with the reprints coming throughout 2020. That's a direct quote from Gavin in his article. Okay. So let's so, find out. Were we happy with the reprints in 2020?
2: Yep. Players need reprints. Do we hit that mark? So let's start off with the biggest reprints of the year. However, caveat. We're going to be excluding the Mystery Booster from this. It was a 1,700-card set. Jumpstart just because of sheer unavailability and any, like, Masterpiece or Expedition or Box Toppers um, because, one, those don't really change the prices. And for Mystery Booster, we're going to cover that actually much more in-depth in a second.
1: I don't think it's fair for them to be like, yeah, we reprinted the Fetchlands as Masterpieces. <laughs> yeah, that's not really what we're talking about Yeah, we yeah, we yeah. a reprint of the Fetchlands. <laughs> so, okay, uh, some big ones. You want to go down
2: the list? Yeah. First up, Vampiric Tutor, obviously. Always it. Anytime there's a tutor card, especially if it's instant speed, uh, very, very powerful. And one mana too, Jeez.
1: Three Visits, which you pointed out was one of the most expensive non-reserve-less cards yep. in existence before this reprint. Yeah, it was in the hundreds.
2: Yeah. Now it is an uncommon in a big set, so thank goodness. Uh, I don't know if green needs another ramp card, but at least it's available now for people
1: to use. Yep. Uh, mana Drain was the next one a very expensive counterspell. Yep. Um Ugin, the Spirit Dragon reprinted in M21. Yep. Just a huge monster, 8 mana, wonderful board wipe, just solid card. One of the best planeswalkers in the format. Grim mm-hmm. Grim Tutor was also in M21. This was a card that was just impossible to get a hold of. Similar uh, to 3 Visits in a lot of ways. Yeah. Uh, Arcane Signet. So a at, lot. it's easy to forget, but at the end of 2019, Arcane Signet was still pretty expensive because they'd only really put it in the Brawl decks. <laughs> and like, and people were mad about that. This year, they were like, listen, we're just going to put Arcane Signet in everything. Yep. And now it's definitely down to a much lower price point. Do you remember when that card was like 15 bucks? Yeah, unfortunately. Um, and I know that, you know,
2: being a mono red player, you need as many of those two mana rocks as possible. And now you're looking at these. $15 cards you're like darn but fortunately they reprinted it like three four five times this year it was in all of the precons, yep. all of the mini commander decks i got you uh <laughs> as well as commander legends uh azusa lost but seeking was reprinted this year yeah very nice um scroll rack was reprinted and this was up to like 70 bucks or something. i think they could reprint this card all the time please it's just a great card i don't think it takes that much time off the table and it's starting to become
1: really relevant with a lot of commanders and stuff out there too uh Commander Legends also had Rings of Bright Hearth and yep. Staff of Domination. A glk favorite. Yep. Uh and then Double Masters we're going to put in its own category here cuz remember Double Masters packs were expensive. It was like $10 for the pack or something. Yeah. You got two rares and their master sets are always more spendy. Uh but these still are cards that were reprinted in pretty high numbers cuz there was a decent amount of Double Masters out there. Mm-hmm. So Mana Crypt ah. was printed in Double Masters. It was also printed in mystery boosters. We're going to address that in a second. Force of Will, uh, one of the most powerful uh, counter spells in Legacy, as well as our formats. Sort of feast and
2: famine. The card best card that can legitimately go in almost any commander deck. Yeah, no kidding. And then doubling season, uh, another really spendy card, but just a staple for any of those go big
1: uh, planeswalker decks or counter decks. And there were a number of reprints that were sort of a little bit lower down, like Idealic Tutor and things like that. There was a whole bunch throughout the year, but those are the major ones that came out last year—the really big ticket items. Okay,
2: those are the biggest reprints of the year. Not bad. A lot of cards here. Like three visits really surprised me. Grim Tutor surprised
1: me as well. So it was cool to see that. I'm uh, besides our- the Mystery Booster stuff, which we're going to talk yeah, about yeah, in a yeah, minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. Let's talk about reprints we still need. Yeah. Reprints we did not get this year. And
2: keep in mind, Wizards, I'm assuming, is designing these, like they've said, two years sometimes in advance, so they may not have anticipated everything. But I'm pretty sure we talked about this first card starting on, I don't
1: know, day three of our podcast. Vidalcan Orrery did not get reprinted in 2020, which I think is a travesty. It's been expensive for a long time, and people always yell at me now when I mention it because they think that every time I mention it, it's like- Going getting more expensive. (laughs) I think it's, listen- The card is not expensive because I'm talking about it. The card is expensive because it's good, and there aren't very many of them out there. Yeah, and yeah, we get it. Four mana, do-nothing artifact. Not every playgroup
2: is going to balk at that, right? A lot of the more casual playgroups, Vidalkan Ori ends up being a really powerful card. If it's not CEDH, Vidalkan Ori is awesome. If it is CEDH, well, you know, all bets are off. Uh, Wayfarer's Bobble, Mm -hmm. another card that is really, really freaking important to any monocolor deck that doesn't have green in it because just need more ways to ramp.
1: Yep. Oh, dual color decks without green. Any yeah. deck without green wants Whipper's yeah, yeah, Bobble. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's a card that didn't get reprinted this year. Not really, not a real reprint. Uh, Cabal Coffers is getting to be an expensive card again. Uh, that's something that hasn't been reprinted or wasn't reprinted last year. Urborg, which goes along with Cabal Coffers.
2: Yeah, and that was reprinted the year
1: before, but it's just doubled in price, if not more. Uh, it's really good land, obviously. Because if you think about it, any deck with black could think about running. I run a lot of decks that have black Cabal Coffers, Urborg, and Expedition Map. Just yeah. that, that package, because you also have Demonic two. Mm -hmm. and maybe Vampiric Tutor, so you have multiple ways to find all those pieces. Yeah, and it's a great way to ramp, especially among the black decks. Uh,
2: Parallel Lives kind of goes alongside uh, Anointed Procession, just more of these token doublers. Parallel Lives used to be a really, really cheap card, and then, you know... You realize Innistrad was nine years ago now. Yeah, and so it's one of those situations where it just hasn't seen enough print runs and now it's just climbing
1: up. Uh, Edgar Markov is a commander that is starting to edge up there in price, probably needs a reprint. Yep. And I would say maybe the strongest of that.
2: Uh, yeah, of, I think so. Yeah, sure. uh, and then we have Mystic Ramora, which is you know if we're not going to get
1: Ristic Study, that at least give us the Ramora, please. Ramora in a lot of ways can be better than Ristic Study, especially in the more spiky play groups because it just costs less mana. Yeah. Marari's um, Wake is a card that got reprinted in a Commander product a couple years ago, but it's just the type of card that's just always climbing up over time, and now it's over twenty dollars again. They need to reprint that soon. Uh, the biggest one, fetch lands. Yeah.
2: I get it. You don't want to put them in standard, but you just released a year of product with like 50 other things in it. We got to find a better place for them than these like very
1: exclusive and expensive secret
2: lairs. Or
1: masterpieces. Like that obviously doesn't, when people say they want reprints, it's because what they're really saying is I want this card to be cheaper. Yeah. Or to,
2: exi- yeah, to exist on a place where I can get it on the card kingdom or whatever, where it's not going to cost me, you know, five other cards just for this one. And it's a land. It doesn't actually feel like it does that
1: much, in my decky either but it feels like i need it right to run certain decks as efficiently as other people are running them when we first started the podcast cons of tarkir had just come out that's the last time we really got a huge influx of fetchlands yeah they did reprint the uh, other fetchlands the scalding tarns and whatnot in in a master's Masters product but that didn't push enough into the market to really bring those prices down for very long at all yeah so yeah i they're obviously not, they obviously know everybody wants them and they're not doing it on purpose and maybe they're saving it because they know whenever they pull it out they will sell that product. They will sell that set luxury. But man, yeah. those things are just creeping up more and more. We need to get them reprinted again for sure. It feels bad too because we were just
2: on the land set, yeah. Zendikar, and I was like, we didn't this could them. be a time. Uh, it didn't happen.
1: Uh, one thing we noticed is that the allied colored talismans. This surprised me. Yeah, they are all starting to creep up. The ones that don't have green in them. Ah. Because in a green deck, you don't need it. You run the Rampagross and three visits mm. and whatnot. But in the non-green ones, you need them, and a lot of the non-green ones are inching up over $5 now. Eesh. So I think all those Talismans, the allied-colored ones, need to be reprinted fairly soon. Another card that has been reprinted a bunch of times but is now inching over
2: $5 is very similar to Arcane Signet. It is Felwar Stone. Yep. Uh, this definitely has, you know, again, it's just a two-mana rock that a lot of decks want. And so, I think this is another card that you could reasonably start putting into the Mini Commander decks, the Commander Precons, without even blinking an eye, and it's not going to hurt anyone.
1: Yep. And then Sensei's Divining Top is a card that can be a little annoying to play against, but at the same time, it's very, very good in Commander. And they haven't reprinted this thing since, I think, Eternal, Eternal Masters. Eternal Masters, yeah. When it went down for a long time into, like, the $13 range, but it's way up again. They need to reprint this thing again because it is a card a lot of decks want, and right now it's just too expensive. Okay,
2: moving on. Cards that were printed recently, but already needs a reprint. And I'm going to quote again Gavin here. He said in that article regarding reprints, quote, not just of older cards that have never been reprinted, but even of ones that have been reprinted recently.
1: Okay, so there are, we're just, we're just going to talk about, what, six cards here. Yeah. They came, out within the la- they, they came out for the first time within the last couple of years, but we already know you better reprint this thing faster or they're going to be $100. Yeah. So Smothering Tithe. That thing is already super expensive. Just came out last year. Um, they got to reprint it next year, I think. Otherwise, it. it's going to get hard to reprint. Dockside Extortionist. Oh, boy. A mono-red, just, it, it obviously sees a lot of
2: CEDH play, but only came out in a pre-con as a one-of in one of the decks. And that is not as effective as putting it into a booster pack somewhere. It could have been in Commander Legends. Easily, yeah, oh, 100%. Right?
1: Yeah, uh, Veil of Summer. This is an uncommon ah. from a core set, but just goes in so many green decks that it's starting to inch up, I think, over $10 or so now yeah uh
2: Fierce guardianship these that was next from three this kind of, year
1: yeah these kind of all go together these are the cast it if you have your mana uh, your commander out for free uh fierce guardianship is the counter spell deflecting swat is the red redirect spell and then deadly rollick is the black kill uh, something exile a creature spell right yeah so fierce guardianship is like what 35 bucks already just came out like six months ago i feel like wizards should at least know, seven and maybe they do that anytime
2: you put cast this for free on the card and it has a relevant ability that that thing is going to be very sought after because you do have a growing amount of players now the commander is bigger than ever uh, even bigger CEDH group and those you know and we've seen it with legacy that will push prices up the more
1: players want it or need it to be competitive in the format yeah fierce guardianship and deflecting swat those two specifically, they gotta reprint those soon. Yeah. They got up to above twenty dollars so fast. Like it felt like the set came out and a month later those things were above twenty bucks.
2: Speaking of commons, what is that was that uncommon uh the pirate that gives you a treasure every time a creature dies? Pitiless Plunder? Yeah, Pitiless Plunder, another uncommon that just shot up and that card came out pretty recently too.
1: Yeah. All right, let's talk about some cards that were technically reprinted in 2020, (laughs) but are still in high demand and still need reprints. So, Ristic Study and Teferius Protection were, quote-unquote, reprinted in the Mystery Booster product, and uh, Ristic Study, I think, actually, both are in Jumpstart. Yeah. But the price on on them changed. I think Jumpstart is, like, the reprint in Jumpstart means nothing for any card that was reprinted in Jumpstart for two reasons. One, not very much Jumpstart got made, but two... The Jumpstart reprints are kind of like smoke and mirrors. The way that they work is like R- Ristic Study was in one of the 140. 140- possible packs you could yeah. get so it was basically the same rarity as like an expedition or something <sighs> Craterhoof is the same way it feels like hey Craterhoof's in the set that's a good reprint yeah but it's only in one out of 140 packs so yeah. you're just not going to open it almost ever yep Oracle of Moldiah as
2: well um, this is a big one Thrasios I mean you just released all of these new partner pairings and they had this etched foil thing for commander but again that's a very similar thing it's like a kind of an exclusive you can't get it off in cards so it's not going to move the market up or, up or down and then the other major partner commanders Timna and 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 Ana, all all these cards are very, very highly played. And I was just like so disappointed that how did they not find a way to reprint these with Commander Legends coming out? Yeah, with all all the other partners partners. that could
1: suddenly go with them. Yeah, especially Thrasios I think is the most expensive because Thrasios is the one of those that even if it's not your commander, it goes in your deck Yeah, if you're in blue-green. Because it's just a, such a good payoff and, and sort of a safety valve for if I have a ton of mana and nothing else to do. Yep. That, like, if you're playing a deck that has those colors, Thrasios goes in. Whereas if you're playing Rakdos colors, you don't always put Vile Smasher inside the deck, right? Yeah. So Thrasios just is a high-demand card that all by itself could could uh, stand to see a reprint. Yeah, literally by itself, that commander is one of the most powerful commanders ever. Yeah.
2: Just by without even a partner.
1: Yep. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's talk about Mystery Boosters. Uh, we teased it earlier. We wanted to take a look at Mystery Boosters because they're a... a a very unique thing. There were 1,700 cards in the set. So anything that got reprinted didn't necessarily come into the market in the same numbers mm-hmm. that would come in a, in a normal set where there's 300 cards. Um, and the way that rarity worked in Mystery Boosters was really, really weird. So I think actually Wizards played with uh, sort of seeing how messaging and reprinting would work in sets where the cards aren't actually reprinted at the same amount as if they were in a standard thing so like oh, ah, okay yeah. right so you get to say oh crater hoof is reprinted in jumpstart right and it and and it looks cool because it's like yeah it's there and it's in the set but nobody really delved down real deep and said well how easy is it to open this thing yeah, yeah. oh it's as easy as a masterpiece was from yeah. you know the old days or an expedition or something that's very rare so the crater hoof if you look at the price it didn't change at all because jumpstart because basically yes technically it's reprinted in that set but not enough of them exist actually there to to change the price at all
2: if you're a retailer what you're doing is you're cracking open tons and tons of these packs you're not going there and being like this is the same as a mythic rare i'm going to get a guaranteed maybe x number per case or whatever it's it's a much lower chance for those um and of course jumpstart wasn't printed very often and it was just it's hard to get now so
1: I think Jumpstart, kind of, again, it's negligible, anything that was reprinted in there. But Mystery Boosters did affect some prices. Mm -hmm. Uh, For some things like Ristics Study... And, and things like that. It maybe didn't, but we're going to go through, because you kind of did a deep dive. Yeah, I did. We got, like, all these graphs on our... I went to
2: MTG Goldfish, and they allow you to see a price track over time. Yeah. So the the important start date for this was March 2020, when the Mystery Boosters became available. So we're going to quickly go through, I think, 10 cards, and a lot of these were these sort of, like, top reprints from Mystery Booster to see if it actually had an effect on the card. So, so like, the price at the start versus the price of now, and just see, did it go down? Yeah, and if it got reprinted in the middle, or before then, what does the original price look like? So the first one was Manacrypt. It sat at around $150 when uh, Jumpstart first came out. And then it actually tr- started trending downwards. And it's still expensive, but we're now around 100 or so. But then for this one, you actually have to zoom out because Manacrypt has been trending downwards for quite a while. It was around $230 in June of 2019. Wow. And it's been reprinted a bunch of times, but there has never been what I would call the like a, f- a cause and effect dip, where as soon as something gets reprinted, it drops. Um, which you'll see with a lot of major normal sets that weren't Mystery Boosters. So that was interesting. I don't know if the Mystery Boosters impacted it trending downwards, but it's been trending for a while now. This may have helped usher it maybe just a little bit in that direction. And it did get reprinted again in Double Masters. So it had a double reprint this year and uh, but the double masters reprint didn't do the thing where it dropped it it kind of kept it steady because I think people were seeing it go down slowly and uh-huh. it wasn't one of those like well let's just chop 50 bucks off the price tag or whatever interesting uh, bloom tender now this one had a huge drop in price the original release was an even tide which I don't even know long how many time years ago it goes. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it was around like 50 60 dollars wait it was a
1: fifty, sixty 60 dollars before this
2: mystery yeah, booster before reprint? the mystery booster reprint and as soon as the mystery booster reprint hit boom the mystery booster version of it was around like 25 and stayed around that and kept steady and then the eventide version slowly crept down but because Eventide is such an old set the card's still worth a lot because it's just harder to get but that's huge um you can get a bloom tender now for like uh, a little
1: over 20 dollars.
2: yeah 20 bucks ish 25 ish maybe climbing back up but it it immediately dropped the moment that mystery boosters dropped as well
1: so that seems like mystery boosters did affect the price and definitely
2: bring it down uh expropriate is the next one it started around 40 a little bit above it and this one also dropped in price and now this actually sits around like 17 20 so that's like half of it and you can see it happen the moment that mystery boosters came out so again it started at 30
1: and then just trended downwards until now Uh, that makes sense to me because expropriate is not the type of card that you want seven or eight of in your collection right yeah it's like a, it's a nine mana win the game type card right? and once you do it a couple times you realize like i don't actually want expropriate in all my decks that have blue in it it's yep. not you know so once you own one or two you're kind of good so yeah. i can see how it could be like i don't have that card i want it so it's 40 dollars. then enough come in mystery boosters like yeah i have it i don't need any more yeah it's not a cyclonic rift where it's like listen i need 12 of those because <laughs> i need one for every in deck, every
2: deck yeah. yeah and it's not like this next card which is just like that. It's Teferi's Protection. Oh, interesting. This one is a really interesting graph because, again, it's only been printed twice, once originally in the Commander sets and then in the Mystery Boosters. It was starting around 40 and then when it came out in the Mystery Boosters, it was a bit lower, 35 ish but then it just equalized out, and it's the same price as it was before.
1: Basically, no price change from the Mystery Boosters. Because all those Teferi Protections that came out into the market, people just bought them and put them into their deck yep and they so were the high same demand. demand as there was before
2: same demand as there was before clearly the mystery booster wasn't able to and this is a card again that's ubiquitous you can put it in any
1: of your decks whereas bloom tender does not go in every deck yeah i think that's indicative of the fact that mystery boosters didn't put enough copies of anything in the market to to really depress the price on anything that was super high demand super high demand yeah, yeah.
2: so let's look at another card that is a cedh staple now savala heart of the wilds uh so there are three printings of this jumpstart uh, the original and then Mystery Booster. It was around $60 and now it has dropped significantly. Yeah, now it's just like below 10 if you want, like a cheap copy of it right yeah i think it's actually around 1820 so it might be a little higher but it was a clear downward trend the moment that it got printed mystery boosters and then when it came out in jumpstart the jumpstart price of the car was also around the same so they couldn't like you know oh
1: yeah i'm looking at the wrong graph you're right it's like yeah, 21 yeah.
2: so and then jumpstart came in around here mm-hmm. uh so actually it's nice it's it's good to see that you know it was just because i think the car was only printed once but it's a commander you don't need a bunch of them if you yeah. only if you need one you just need one
1: yeah, that's what I think, too. It's yeah. it's more like Bloom Tender than it is like Teferi's Protection, right? Same story goes for the next one. that's
2: Sakashima the Imposter. It was around $35. And then the Mystery Booster price put it around like 15 And then it's just sort of gone down since then as well.
1: reached the Redeemed, we see a very similar thing, right? Where it comes out, it's like at 30 And now you can find it for around $10, yeah. 8 10 Because
2: when the Mystery Booster version came out, they priced it around $12. And that just sort of stayed around there. Yep um and then demonic tutor this one started around 25 dollars. it's been reprinted a bunch
1: it rose in price it's more like taveria's protection right yep where it's like every demonic tutor that comes out it gets put into a deck and people aren't like oh no i got too many demonic tutors nobody's ever yeah. Said that. <laughs> yeah i don't even have enough i've decks with black in them don't have demonic tutors because i only have a certain amount right Yeah, and the same goes for Perforos, God of the Forge. Uh, This one
2: started around 23-ish, and then, again, it was the only time they'd been printed outside of, obviously, the secret layers. It just trended downwards, and it's now down to, like, 14, 15 now.
1: All right, let's talk about Luristic Study, which started this whole discussion. Okay,
2: let's see if you can guess out there. Based on the trends we've seen, Luristic Study started around $25. What do you think it costs now?
1: Turns out, it's more yeah slightly more or at <laughs> least more, the very yeah, or about same, the same yeah. yeah it started at 25 and now it's about 26 27 yeah it, it may it may continue to
2: climb as well because this is again a ubiquitous card you play it in every blue deck if you want that amazing card draw engine in there
1: yeah i think mystery boosters and it was reprinted in one of the decks in jumpstart too yeah they just don't really put enough cards into uh, circulation that it's going to change the price of these real staple cards. Yeah,
2: so it seems like I think the Mystery boosters in general, publicly being available outside of the conventions is a good thing. The prices of cards have been significantly reduced of the ones that we talked about. Like Reese the Redeemed had no right being that expensive. Right. And it was great to see it now because it's a really popular one-drop commander that does a lot of cool tokeny things but Mana Crypt has been going down for a while and it didn't seem like it affected that because, again, it's just a very high-value card. Same with Demonic Tutor and Rhystic Study. Fairest Protection. Yeah, it's Fairest Protection. So I I think the takeaway is that the cards that are most affected by a Mystery Booster-type reprint are those that have only seen one version in the past. So it's an artificial demand for it almost, which is like, it's only been existed once, maybe it'll never exist again, now it's $30. But the moment that it comes out, I think people realize actually it's not that in demand. So it's not; it doesn't deserve that price tag. It's actually closer to like fifteen or whatever, and so that's great. Yeah, that's kind equalizing of equalizing is
1: awesome. There's kind of two reasons that a card is expensive. Uh, if you take the reserve lifts and stuff out, of yeah. It. One is that there aren't very many copies of that card that are in existence, mm-hmm. and the other is that that card is goes in every deck. Yep. And when it goes in every deck, you need to put a lot of them into circulation to change the price at all. But when it's just only high price because not a lot of them were ever made, you don't actually need to put as many into the market to start lowering that price because the demand for that card is actually not that high. Mm -hmm. It's just that there aren't very many of them. Yeah. Yeah. So... I think we have to be wary though in the future of things like Mystery Boosters and Jumpstart and like looking at the list and just saying like oh they're reprinting this card reprints are good this is a good reprint how many of those cards are actually coming into yeah. if it's in a Ikoria there's a lot more coming in than if it's in something like Mystery Boosters where it's one of 1700 cards rather than one of 300 Yeah. and the rarities they played with or one Jumpstart pack versus yep. you know yeah so there's uh, more than meets the eye for these specific kinds of sets
2: I'm still really hoping to see a lot of Jumpstart get reprinted but but again i don't think cards like crater hoof that goes in the ton of decks are going to be significantly affected because again there's just it's so many different decks the chances
1: of getting a bunch of those out there is pretty low all right so overall though what do we think about the reprints in 2020 you know we're pretty far past the discussion because of the mystery boosters but there was yeah. a lot of high profile reprints at the start that we talked about that they did reprint this year and then mystery boosters did reprint a whole bunch of stuff um what, how do you feel about the quality of reprints? Do you think it lived up to Gavin's um, statement? I think so. Um, especially
2: because of the cards like Reese and the and Sakashima and Savala, the ones that just had no right being at the price that they were at. Um, and I think it's good to know that, right? I hope Wizards is taking the same message away. I wish we saw Thrasios in Mystery Boosters. Yeah. That would be the perfect place to do it. But I get that they had constraints of sets and all that stuff. But I think in general, they did a good job. They did a lot of experimenting. And I hope they do what's best for the player based off that experimentation.
1: Yeah, I agree. We can be pretty happy with the reprints that came in 2020. Is it perfect? Is it everything? No, it's not. Vidal Canori, hello. But... uh i think they Maybe didn't get flash it in on december 31st they <laughs> They'd be like you never knew it we're techni- boom <laughs> there is still technically time yeah when we're recording we're recording this, we're recording yeah, yeah. this. <laughs> it's not quite the end of
2: the year they'll flash it in <laughs> they'll have another one now. you're like they'll "Why?" Be like, that- flavor whoa
1: <laughs> <laughs> that'll be the coolest thing ever gavin please make that please happen make that happen i don't in know you're remaining get in the time machine though yeah 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 and know that we're recording
2: is- this and have eight days to do it from now so
1: <laughs> good job um yeah, I think they did a good job. But <laughs> clearly, there's still a lot of reprinting that's going to have to happen. And as long as they keep making Fierce Guardian Ships and Deflecting Swats, they're making more cards, Dockside Extortionist, that need to be reprinted right away because they're yeah. in such high demand. So yeah. More Mystery Boosters for uh, maybe less cards total. I don't think we need
2: 1,700. And let's throw in some of those Deflecting Swats and Fierce Guardian Ships and the Rhystic Studies in there. More,
1: please. Yep. It doesn't hurt anyone. It's just, I mean, look,
2: we want more in the market, please.
1: Okay, let's talk about the new cards this year that were designed specifically for commander now in most years that's only the cards that come in the commander product but this year we've got the mini commander decks and we've got commander legends yep so let's run down quickly how we think this year went as far as new card design that's not not commanders, right? We already talked about new commanders. Yeah. And so I, I we sort of like went through each set and listed powerful slash
2: cool cards that were non the commanders. So oh, yeah. the ones that can go in the ninety nine.
1: This is fun. We can do what we think is the most powerful new non commander card from this year. But first let's talk about what the nominees are. Yeah. Um so in Theros Beyond Death, we had Thasa's Oracle.
2: That one's gonna be tough to beat as well as Underworld Breach. Uh, in Ikoria, it turns out this is actually a little harder because the commanders are so good, but the card quality wasn't as great. In Mutate, I think we've, I, it hasn't been a major hit, I think. Yeah. There was a Luminous Broodmoth. Uh, there was also the Ozolith, which is a lot of fun. In C20, we just wrote Fierce Guardianship, but you could also put down Deflecting Swat. A fierce Guardianship is roller. clearly the most powerful card for <laughs> yeah. that set. Yeah. Zendikar Rising, I, I did a little mm. fun thing. I just wrote Modal DFCs, because I think this as a whole might be the single most Best thing that Commander players have gotten in a while. It's pretty sweet. Um, And then Lethal Form Engine as well. Lethal Form Engine has been great. Yep. We've been Uh, seeing it a lot in our games. It's pretty good. Yeah. Jumpstart Uh, had Scholar of the Lost trove, which I played in the last game, or two game nights ago. Uh, Branching Evolution... And then Allosaurus Shepard also was like a one drop that has just exploded in price, unfortunately.
1: I put Allosaurus Shepard question mark because I got to be honest, I've never actually seen it in play yet. I picked it as the most <laughs> powerful card from that set. That's funny. But Jumpstart has been so like, I had, just haven't seen those cards in play very much. And we don't play CEDH, which is where that card is more likely to show up. Yeah. Um, but I'm still assuming it's good, but I just haven't seen it yet. Yep. Yep full disclosure m21 brought us to fairy master
2: of time turns out you can he really is mastering time and turn cycles we were
1: right about that card that card's really it's good it's
2: nuts yeah and then fiery emancipation um and then commander legends we you know the big three jeweled this whole breacher opposition agent and of course jessica's will has to be on that list because the card is totally sick um there are a lot of cards we left off here by the way nix bloom ancient yep. is one that could have been on there so we're just sort of taking
1: smaller selections here if you disagree let us know in the comments i mean i think we're down to like Thassa's oracle yeah. And then Fierce Guardianship. Whole Breacher and Jessica's Will. Those are my three top cards from the year. Fierce Guardianship, yeah, sorry. Yeah. So the top four I would say Thassa's Oracle, Fierce Guardianship, Whole Breacher. Shoot. Three of them are mono blue. Oh, and Jessica's man. Will. I mean, Underworld Breach is really good, so maybe it does belong on there. But I think it takes a little more work to, to make yeah. it work. Jessica's
2: Will just, I think four relative to what mono red has gotten in the Part past Sager. is uh, to
1: me, that's the winner, but I still think a fierce guardianship might be more powerful. Powerful is hard to determine because there's two ways to, to determine it, right? What is, yeah. are you counting the most powerful when, when the cards at its most powerful right? or are, cause then I think Thassa's Oracle wins. Are you counting though the card at its average power or like right. how many decks it goes into? Cause Thassa's Oracle doesn't go into every deck, whereas Jessica's will kind of does. <laughs> so yeah, what did you say was yours? I would say Jessica's Will just because I love red
2: and it's such a big, cool card for that I I color.
1: think I agree with you. I, it's Fierce wow. Guardianship or Jessica's Will for me. Those are the two blue cards that legitimately can go... Or sorry, not blue cards. Two new cards yeah. that can legitimately go in every deck that has that color. Because mm-hmm. it's not a big ask to have your commander on the battlefield. That's just the thing most decks are trying to do. Yeah. Um, but a lot of good cards this year. I Jessica's Will. It's so good. It's going in every deck. Pick up like... Seriously, everybody out there, pick up like five or six of them. You're you guys, gonna want. Yeah, they're they're just great. By next year, you're gonna be like, man, I wish I had more Jessica's Wills. Man, I wish they reprinted it more. I wish it's just printed. <laughs> it's gonna be on our need to reprint list very soon. It already is. By the way, I'm, I'll just say it. Put it there. Okay. Okay. Um, but let's talk about our favorite new cards, uh, non-Commanders yes. from this year. Let's run down the nominees here, Jimmy. Okay. Some the f-
2: are the same as the most powerful, but not not all <laughs> of them. The first is one that Josh and I are both just.
1: We just love it. It's ballaged Recovery, and on the flip side, it's Ballaged Sanctuary. So it's the modal du- double-faced card that's a land and a regrowth spell. This thing goes in every green deck now. Yeah, it's amazing. Yep. And it replaces a slot too, by the it's way. So, <laughs> it's so good. Keeper
2: of the Accord, it's Mono White's version of getting more creatures on the battlefield and lands on the battlefield as a four-mana card. I Seems know a lot like... of people were iffy about this. I've seen it in play a number of times now. It's always good. Yeah uh felidar retreat i put this one in there just because of game nights i didn't realize just how
1: powerful this is especially with so many landfall things now around this card is a machine onto itself it synergizes with itself, right like you make a bunch of creatures and then you start pumping those creatures or if you already have a lot of creatures you just pump them but it works with itself it's it just can do a lot of powerful things
2: oh i didn't realize you put this
1: on here but it is a great new card for
2: commander it's feed the swarm mono black's way to destroy an enchantment
1: that's another black card that's going in most of the black decks. Now, you don't have to put it in maybe if you're already like Uh black-green because green does have ways to destroy enchantments or or blue. But man, black-red... Black, blue, some combination thereof. Mm-hmm. Grixis, this card is really, really good. Being able to destroy an enchantment for cheap, too. And black, yeah. Yep. And it can kill a creature, too, if you can't get an enchantment. Yeah, that, yeah, that's true. Um, Thieving Skydiver, oh, the man. one in the blue, take your soul ring, uh, or whatever. Kicker, take their best artifact. Yeah, pretty good. And plus, you can, like, bounce it back to your hand and stuff. <laughs> yeah, Thieving Skydiver is real good. Um,
2: Teferi Master of Time, once again, activate him on every turn. Keep on looting. Uh, Jessica's Will, gotta love it. Deflecting Swat, the red version of the Fierce Guardianship cycle.
1: Yeah, Fierce Guardianship is just more powerful than Deflecting Swat. Yeah. Deflecting Swat is just way cooler than Fierce Guardianship, right?
2: (laughs) Yeah, Deflecting Swat, it's more niche, right? Fierce Guardianship counters a lot of things. Uh, Deflecting Swat sometimes just won't work depending on the spell that the person casts.
1: Yeah, if they cast a boarded
2: wipe, you can't do anything about it. But
1: man, it leads to some blowouts where it's just like, oh crap. (laughs) (laughs) Uh
2: Uh-oh. Uh, And then two mono-red cards to fill out the rest here. It's Morag, Fury of Akum, the uh, bunch of attack triggers guys uh, with landfall. And then Hellkite Corser, the big dragon that brings out your commander for a turn. Yeah, sneak attacks
1: your commander. Sneak attacks it out, yeah. command zone, yeah. Uh, A lot of cool stuff here. I will note that there's only one green card on this list. Ah, yeah. Only two white cards on our favorite card list. And there are four red cards, Jimmy. Hey! Now, Morag, of course, is kind of a personal taste selection, so maybe it's Three or something. Still. Still. I mean, I'm glad she's not all green and blue. So, I narrowed it down for me to three cards, which were Balagued Recovery, Thieving Skydiver, and Jessica's Will. I find myself putting those cards into most decks with that color or wanting uh-huh. to yeah i would uh,
2: definitely agree with Boliger recovery i'm gonna say keeper of the accord just because it is finally a move in the direction that we need white to go and we just talked about jessica's will being our favorite
1: powerful new card so of course that's gonna be one of my favorites too yeah i think for me jessica's will wins which is unfortunate because i don't want the most powerful card and the my favorite card to be the be same the- thing <laughs> But it's a <laughs> mono red card, so well, it's not. Yeah. It's not actually. That's the thing. It's not mono red. Like it's, Grixis yeah. deck, it goes in it. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Rule deck. I'm putting Jessica's will in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is it deck? Yes, Jessica's will. Thank you. Yeah. Oh,
2: definitely. And is it spells? Yeah. I'm gonna say Ball again Recovery because it replaces a land, and y'all know how I like to roll with reducing land to my deck. So good job.
1: Yeah. All I love those modal DFCs. Ball of Get Recovery. That's another card like Jessica's will. Just, just seriously, buy five or six of them. They're cheap right now. Put them in all. The yeah. In like two years, you're gonna be like. I wish I had more ball again recovery and they're not so cheap anymore. Mm-hmm.
2: Okay. Speaking of new cards, one of our favorite topics. It, it made it off the table. It did. Like it did yeah. <laughs> How did red and white fare? So we saw this year, the continuation of pushing red into these new archetypes of, big damage dealers, and more sources of impulsive draw. So I thought Red actually did really good. We had, for the big damage category, Fire Emancipation, Terror of the Peaks, Jessica Thrice Reborn, Double Vision. It's like doubling spells. Um, that's a lot of stuff there that's sort of in the same vein. Uh, Obash if you want to count it, uh, even though it's Rakdos. For the impulsive drawing card advantage, again Jessica's will. But then we also had Valakai Exploration. Oh, that and Underworld card's really Breach. good too. know. Yeah. we didn't
1: talk about that already. Maybe we can replace Morag with Valakai Exploration. Valakai Exploration is so good. Yeah. Wow. Good. Man, Red made out really well this year. They did. I'm I'm as happy as a clam. Yeah. Underworld um, Breach. Yeah. Oh my gosh.
2: Great. And then Ramp and Mana Advantage, Leyline Tyrant lets you keep the red mana as you pass phases, uh, and then Kessig Trapper, Elena Kessig Trapper, taps for red mana too. So boom, that's 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 Ramp.
1: We should say here. Real quick aside, we messed up in that we said Helene, oh, yes. Helena and Elena, Helena? Helena and Elena. We said that they were probably sisters. They're not. They're lovers. They're partners. That's our bad. Literal and, partners, yeah. And figurative partners, right? <laughs> <laughs> Which actually makes sense now that you think about it. Yeah. So anyway, we messed that up, and we apologize to everybody out there Sorry. who uh, felt marginalized by that. That was just, yeah. We'll it's do our more own implicit bias, <laughs> and and like <laughs> yeah, it's, it's good to confront it. Like yeah, like I'll, I'll just own that and say that we need to do a better job. So apologies. Okay. To, to wrap it up red did awesome this year they did great they yeah. did the best they've ever done
2: i think is, since the beginning of our podcast
1: we just named a red card as the best card and favorite card of the year wow card of the year goes to someone wake me up jessica's will someone play the music while i'm doing my acceptance speech <laughs> we'll play you off too yeah all right uh let's talk about white which um unfortunately they can... got some toys but it's not it's not the, not even close to the same degree as red, actually, to be honest. Which is fine, I think, if red's doing a little better than white. But I feel like white it didn't even get the second most. Yeah,
2: and Josh always says this, too. White needs to do better than other colors to catch up.
1: Right. And the other colors need to slow down so that the worst colors can catch up. So, White did get some toys, though. Um, In the card advantage category, they got Mangara, the Diplomat. You're right. Uh, Verge Rangers. Yeah, just because it gets more lands out, that is kind of like Ramp or Ver- Oh, no, Verge Rangers is different. Verge
2: Rangers lets you play of the, lands off the top of the library. Yeah, so it's
1: like half a card yeah. when you do that. Uh, I mean, it's half a card every turn, say. If, yeah. Maybe more like a third of a card. Man, we're really stretching for card advantage then. Yeah, I know.
2: Uh, For Ramp, though, Keeper of the Cord, like we just said. And then the not-so-great Cartographer's Hawk.
1: Which it's he- okay. I've tried it out a few times, and it does some stuff, but yeah. It's slow. Yeah. yeah. It's, yeah, a little disappointing that that's the best we can come up with for this year. Keeper of the Court, I think, the best of that bunch. They did get some other cool sta- strategies like Exile Flicker stuff. Which yeah, kind this of... is, I
2: think, what they're doing with Red. Red goes into big burn damage. White's going to go into Exile Flicker synergies.
1: So they got Idol of Endurance, Livio, the Oath, sworn Sentinel, Promise of Tomorrow. Yep. So, a bunch of ways to kind of get that card advantage. Plus, they did play around a little bit more with that return three CMC or less stuff, Trove Warden and some things like that. Yeah, that's right. To, uh, from your graveyard to the battlefield directly, so...
2: And brought back in Savin's Reclamation is sort of where they've been pushing that as well in the past, so... Uh, I want White to catch up. I really want them to have more graveyard synergy if that's where they're going. I think that's totally fine for White.
1: Please. But they got to have some ramp and some card draw. I don't think these other ways really make up for that. Yeah. Card advantage is not the problem necessarily. It's card draw mm-hmm. because it just smooths out your early game and makes it so that you have the same amount of resources later in the game to keep up the other colors. Yeah. We saw the game where Rachel... Um, played Keeper? Yeah, where Rachel played Keeper, and that one card gave her enough mana so that near the end of that game, when everybody else had 11 or 10 mana, she was still in it with 9 or 10 mana herself. Mm-hmm. Imagine in that game, she didn't have Keeper. She has 6 mana. Ugh she She just cannot win that game with half as much mana as everybody else because she can only do half what everybody does on everybody's turn True. so white really needs and it's the same as with cards right if you get to the end of the game and you just have two cards and everybody else has six you just have less options so you just have to get more lucky with what you've drawn yeah white just they just need help I say it every time so I, I guess I'll stop now yeah, maybe we'll see it next year because you know we started complaining
2: about this uh, more than a little less than two years ago who knows maybe at this point they're they're starting to get there we'll see all right, toys for everyone else, though. This is a question I was asking. How did the lesser served archetypes do or archetypes that aren't just sort of like the blatant, you know, we know what this is and what it does. They're not landfall or wheel decks. Yeah, and, that, and I also want to know, like, are we pushing things too hard in the direction for deck builders and sort of making it like, this is what you have to do. But I think we did really well here. Um, for tokens, we had the Ozolith and Cryptic Trilobite or Trilobite for the pirates Jesus it's like half of commander legends if you're a pirates player
1: yeah pirates definitely the tribe that made out the best this year there's a lot of new copy stuff lethal form engine double vision corrupt the thumb list oh this was the first year where we were copying permanent spells on the stack on the yeah. stack and making token copies of them uh, as they enter that's pretty cool uh
2: and then the companions uh we're, we'll talk about these later but you know these do serve specific strategies even if you're playing them as just creatures in your deck so zero okay. that had activated abilities umori was like a card type tribal obosh is all about damage and yorian's all about flickering so they they did some stuff in that cool world if
1: you ignore the companion part of it yeah
2: exactly don't because that part isn't even right you have to look up the oracle text to figure it's it out
1: true <laughs> uh for mill
2: we had madden cacophony Bruvac the grandiloquent and just mill became a thing so i think that's pretty cool landfall got the most help and Boy. commanders got the most help with that too because we had amaranth and kodama of the east tree both of those cards love permanent entering the battlefield ancient green warden uh a soul of the wild all of the stuff from zendikar
1: i'm um i'm just gonna say it like i'm tired of landfall yeah i'm cool, I'm <laughs> cool too. if they just don't make any more landfall stuff for like i don't know six seven years it also makes fetch lands better too so that also drives them potentially yeah. yeah it's just like and also it's just uh, everyone's got to play lands and just paying people for a thing that the game just kind of makes you do just i don't know i just yeah. find it kind of boring there's so many of them might be part of the problem i think if there were less it would be more um yeah whatever the word is annoying no. Yeah, you know, sure.
2: Yeah, uh, yeah, okay. Uh, the the Monarch Enablers are here. I'm glad that we have the Court Cycle in Commander Legends and just a bunch of cards in Commander Legends that bring Monarch in.
1: I will say, I wish there was more Monarch present in Commander Legends, and I think the problem is Legacy. Uh, it's right. easy they, to it's make... It's good in Legacy, yeah. Yeah, it's easy to make a Monarch card broken in Legacy, so you have to be careful. And it sucks that a uh, format that not very many people play is making it hard for them to design cards that would be really cool in our format by having Monarch be just more prevalent because I think games with Monarch... Are just fun games. They yeah, they're did. better. They're faster. There, there, more stuff happens. Yeah, there's just more reason to do things, whereas a lot of times there's a reason to not do things. Right. Yeah. Uh, keep on wheeling.
2: This maybe is the most help that a single type or an archetype's gotten. Uh, Sucks. Whole breacher is going to uh, do Leavold thing. Wheel of misfortune. Uh, also, by the way, could be going into the favorite red cards just
1: because it's another wheel of fortune of type. I would like it better if it wasn't so confusing to explain. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a good card. Don't get me wrong, but man, the explanation when it's played. <sighs> yeah. of restoration is a
2: dfc that also does the cool. wheel thing teferi's angels insight is an instead draw trigger so that's great for wheel decks zyrus the writhing storm and braylon skyshark rider uh those are both wheel commanders xerzoth chaos rider also a wheel commander the everwise also a wheel
1: commander just like landfall let's just not do any more like wheels or wheel payoffs for like six years yeah and then the final thing i wrote down just was- reprint the ones we already have i'm not saying don't reprint <laughs> that
2: stuff give us more yeah i want no, no no more new tools those no decks new are tools. fine yeah, yeah they're they're beyond fine yeah. trust me um more partners has i think the biggest contributor to the lesser serve archetypes because they're just so flexible you can build almost any kind of deck you want now between the partners from now and then the ones in the past
1: yeah you can find a partner combination that at least in some way helps whatever wacky idea you've had for a long time that never yeah. really had a commander right yeah, yeah 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 at the very least like sakashima you could just Copy an important card. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So overall, what did we think about the new cards they designed and printed for Commander in 2020? Was this was this a, a home run? Was it a single? A double? Was it lukewarm? How do you feel?
2: Well, the ban list didn't get bigger, really, right? And I think like the only problematic cards we have problems with we've talked about, and they're not they're not the worst in the world. And I think the most important thing is that none of the new cards really, only really like Amaranth and Kodama kind of went in that direction of just generically gonna do something really good, really value-based, whatever. Yeah. So I, I, I liked it again. another thumbs up here. Not, not as hard as I would give two thumbs up to the partners and the rest of it, I was like, yeah, you did good. Um, and like I, you know, like we said, less landfall,
1: less wheeling please. Yeah. I think everything was great except for the white cards, right? We need more white cards on our list. 2021, just give me a year where we talk about white the way we just talked about red. Ooh, just, spicy. Yeah, just give me give me a year that we do that. They deserve it. They should. That should happen once every five years, right? Because mm-hmm. there's five colors. So just by pure randomness, one of the years white should win and be like the 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 color that like yeah this year they they made out like bandits. Yeah, but that's literally never happened since we started the podcast. So it should be their year a couple years in a row probably. I would like that. Okay. All right, okay. let's talk about the year in general, the biggest successes of the year of Commander. Reprints, I think we both thought were a success. Definitely. Yep. Um, I think Commander product tied to a said. This one maybe I
2: still might change my mind on this in the future if we don't like it in the future. But I thought this year it was cool to have Ikoria with the Commander
1: product. I'm going to make the assumption that the mini Commander decks did help new uh, players okay. join the format. And if that assumption is correct... Uh, Again, I don't have data on it. I'm just making that assumption. (laughs) Um, But if that assumption is correct, then I think it... You know, that combined with the fact that we got pretty good Commander Precons this year is a success of the year for sure. Yeah. I thought the Moldo
2: Double Face cards, again, for Commander players, we we couldn't have given given a greater gift here. It allows us to add more cards to our deck without having to take lands out. Mm-hmm. Um, now, you can, you can only do it a little bit. You can't do it a ton, but it's still significant, and they're all really great. I think we're going to see more
1: of these in the future. I find that just about every one of my decks wants three to four MDFCs. Yeah. Yep. yep. Um, Commander Legends... Yep. We both thought I, that's maybe, for me, the single biggest success of this year. The set was really, yeah, you know, really, really well done. Yes, a little bit of hiccups with three cards, but... Man, that's that's a pretty high batting average. Seventy new legends, yeah. probably a
2: hundred, like more than like a hundred cards that we talked about sure. that can all fit into good decks and stuff, uh, and have some fun with it. And then finally, the new partners in Commander Legends. I thought was a huge
1: success. Thank goodness they went monocolor, so it didn't get crazy out of control. Pretty amazing. They managed to do forty new partners, and really nothing in there that that everybody's like, oh, why'd they do that one? They're yeah. all they're all fine. When they so. designed the original ones, they weren't planning for these ones to come out. It's true. Right. So, uh, okay, let's talk about the biggest whiffs the biggest misses of the year of this year um companions i think was a pretty big miss yeah it was a miss in all formats
2: yeah it really was they had to erode the text to be different about how it worked because it started breaking formats commander just straight up banned Lutri tree before it ever even hit the ground because of all the
1: problems that we had
2: with it Uh, and of course we talked about that in the video as well. I think it just didn't hit the mark, I don't think.
1: No, it was a total miss. It was a total whiff. It was just a strikeout on the companions. I I think it was their attempt to make other formats more like Commander in a weird... Right. You know, it's almost like somebody walked into a meeting and was like, hey, so the data says that players (laughs) like Commander. So you know what we should do because not all formats are like Commander. Can we make... I got an idea. Boss... What if we made the other formats more like Commander? Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah, what if we gave them to an, a card that's, you know, similar to, the, to a Commander, and it works similar to how a Commander works.
2: Oh, nice. I love
1: yeah. it. Yeah, what should we call it? Com- we can't call it Commander. That's Com- already taken. Come Companions. Com- companions. I'm pretty sure that's exactly a reenactment of what happened. High fives around the room. <laughs> uh, another huge
2: whiff of the year was Jumpstart. It, uh, the, where is Jumpstart? Where is it? Where the promised reprints, all that stuff? We didn't see it. I still want to play it. I think it's really fun. I think that's another great
1: way to bring people into the format. Yeah, I don't think this is necessarily like a miss by Wizards, right? This is yeah. a miss by the world and the pandemic. Yeah, it's you know unfortunate. this fortunate because
2: when it, if it does have a normal release, I think it will be really successful.
1: Yeah, and I think they would have ideally wanted it to imagine a, a 2020 in a parallel universe. There's no pandemic and everyone's yeah. going to LGSs and stuff. I think jump starts everywhere. Yep. Yeah.
2: Biggest whiff of the year from a player standpoint, oh, I think and a community standpoint is walking dead. Uh, they did say it was their best selling secret lair ever. So clearly from a sales standpoint, it was a success, but in terms of how the community received it and how we felt about it, big whiff. And we, wa- we watched them as I think they had to walk back some of their stuff and make sure that they say like, it could be reprinted somewhere else. We promise it's not just exclusive to this because commander players, we got really picky over the fact that they were new cards.
1: I'll be honest, it wasn't my favorite thing that they got on stream and basically said, well, it was our best selling secret yeah, layer of uh, the year. So basically saying to everyone in the community who didn't like it, well, what do you know? Yeah, what do you know or your opinion doesn't matter? You didn't buy it type thing. It, it wasn't, yeah. it was a bad look.
2: And the stream that they did right after, too, again, there's a, a lot of sort of like walls up defensiveness.
1: And it, yeah. it, I think it, it would have been better to just be like, Okay, we realized that probably wasn't a great idea. We're going to try not to do that again. Yeah, that would be nice. It's like well, those apologies when people do something and they come on and they do an apology, but they don't really apologize. You always have more respect for whoever, the celebrity, the athlete, whatever, that, that actually, did something and comes on and goes, you know what? I totally messed up. I make no excuses. It was my fault. Yeah. I take responsibility, not deflection, which is like,
2: well, because of That's this. not the
1: person that I am. You know, wait, what does that even mean? Just say, okay. I screwed up. I shouldn't have done that. Yeah. I'm going to try not to do it again. That, that's way better. That's a good apology.
2: Okay. Um, Any of you out there with partners and significant others,
1: take note. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, another sort of miss of the year is just the three cards from Commander Legends. Jeweled Lotus, Opposition Agent, Whole Breacher. I think that was, you know, like I said, their batting average really good on the set. Doesn't yeah. mean it was perfection. I, I wish those three cards didn't exist. Don't need them. Yep. Uh, and then White falling further and further behind. Which we keep talking about. So you know our thoughts on it. We wish White was better. Yeah. Next year in 2021, we're looking forward to it. This year in 2021, right, right. In 2022, when we're doing our look back at the not year of Commander, <laughs> I hope we're saying White White, you know, got a lot better. Hope so too. So Josh, was the year of Commander a success or not? I would say that it clears the bar for success. I, oh yeah, I, yeah. I think you know Commander Legends all by itself uh, was just a really cool set and a really cool thing that happens again. I don't want it to happen every year, but I think it's fair to call this year a success. Even though I wouldn't say that it was like perfect. Mm -hmm. What about you? yeah too much product for one i think yeah.
2: we could have slowed down a little bit on that but again i'm also going to be on the side of assuming that the mini commander decks were great in bringing in new players and opening people up to the format um, i think we would have a lot more data and understanding if you know the pandemic didn't happen and stores were open so i, I think we'll yeah. see a lot more next year in terms of if they keep doing the mini commander sets what that will look like in action a lot more same with jumpstart and stuff
1: yeah it's cool that this happened, but I don't think I want every year to be the Year of Commander. It's kind of like yeah. when you go visit a really cool place and it's like, you, but you actually know that you wouldn't want to live there because <laughs> the mad, part of the magic of it is that you don't go there all the time. And you have a limited time there. Yeah. yeah so you can really enjoy the finer things about it. But if you were there all the time, you would start to take them for granted and mm-hmm. it would actually not probably be paradise anymore. So I think Year of Commander is kind of one of those things. I'm glad they did it. I think they should do it again, but I think that again should be in a while.
2: Yeah. So do you? what are you hoping for then for Commander in 2021? do you want more of the same less of the same new innovations another type of idea to test out what's going on Hmm, interesting question i think i want less of the same yeah okay does that make sense yeah i want a toned down version of it like if if this was an s plus year i'm fine with an a plus year (laughs) i feel like i could (laughs) spend
1: most of 2021 just exploring the stuff that i didn't have time to pay attention to from 2020
2: right even 2019 at a certain point there's so many it's just been the products have just been ramping up and up and up across the board secret layers this it's so much to keep up with
1: it, it honestly doesn't feel great when you jump into a game on, you know, on spell table or whatever, and, you know, even people like us who it's our job, and we literally have to, have to talk about every new card. Yeah. Stuff hits the table, and you're like, I'm sorry, I don't remember what that does. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know the combos and the synergies that go along with that card, because just so much stuff has come out recently. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for people that play the game a lot, it's just, it's not a good feeling for that to happen all the time once in a while it's cool and you're like holy crap that card is sweet take a picture of it but when it's happening constantly and it's then you hit a tipping point where you're like it's actually less fun now because i don't i can't keep track of everything that's going on because i don't know what everything does anymore because so much new stuff has come out recently
2: good point oh i'll say there is one other thing we didn't mention that was totally a success for commander in 2020 what's that every episode of game nights this year was amazing (laughs) there are so many great games all the episodes of Game Nights and Extra Turns this year really fantastic stuff. We we got lucky, of course, because we only get to really play one game when we record. So we're always hoping that it's gonna be one where everyone gets to do something, go off, and I think we had a really great year in terms of that.
1: Yeah. Some really iconic moments. You know, me getting milled out is one that I think people will never forget. <laughs> the the Rakto's Charm moment. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh the, just the intro for the holiday episode was really, really funny. Yeah. I, I hope people Kudos enjoyed that. it. Yeah. Yeah. Well we're more ho- of the same more of the same for game nights yeah we're hoping that uh this year we can top that we always try and top ourselves you know that uh the Kaldheim episode of game nights will be coming out in early february so look forward to it especially if you're a patron you're gonna get to watch it early oh yeah make sure you do that uh finally to the listeners do you think it was
2: truly a great time to be a commander player how do you feel about this past year how do you feel about any of the special product releases for commander players or the secret layers and are there are any cards that you thought should have gotten reprinted or just any of the topics we covered today uh, let us know your thoughts in the comments below you can always tweet at us or find us on Instagram and Facebook as well
1: yeah remember we're really curious what your experiences were yes. concerning the mini commander decks uh, are you a new player that they helped usher into the format are you an old player that you just liked collecting the cards and like the new commanders Let's or know. are you an old player that used them to help bring new people into the format yeah
2: oh, one place you can pick up those Mini Commander decks still is cardkingdom.com slash command zone. I did it. I did it. <laughs> I mean, Josh, why don't you tell them about Card Kingdom a little bit then?
1: If you want to get a hold <laughs> of those Mini Commander pre-con decks from Zendikar Rising or Commander Legends, maybe you want to pre-order the Kaldheim stuff. It's right on the horizon. Or maybe you just have all that Christmas and holiday money sitting in your pocket and you want to get a hold of Commander Legends or any singles, mm-hmm. anything at all, cardkingdom.com slash commandzone is the best place to order because they're going to get you your stuff the fastest and in the best quality. They often ship this stuff within less than an hour after you've placed the order. I don't know how many times I've like placed an order with Card Kingdom, I get the confirmation email that it has shipped in like, you know, 50 minutes or something. It's crazy sometimes. It is crazy. Sometimes,
2: yeah. yeah. And of course, because of the pandemic, they are a shorter staff, but they're still working around the clock and really fulfilling things on time. And we talk to people all the time that tell us like, hey, yeah, I got my stuff so quickly. It was amazing. Obviously, a little different for international people, uh, just because, you know.
1: Still ends up being fast. We've heard from people fast, in Australia
2: yeah. and Europe who are like, wow, I, I really did get this way faster than I thought coming from the States. Yeah, great customer service. And of course, Ultra Pro. I think, you know, a lot of you out there are probably wondering how can I support my local game store, especially as the pandemic continues to go on and a great way to do it is buying product from them you know almost all these stores carry ultra pro the play mats the sleeves if there's you know i love buying a card when i know i'm always going to play it like a commander your play mat's kind of like that you're always going to be able to play on it it's a part of your style it's a part of your swag or whatever you want to call it so a great way to support our show as well is just through ultra pro product and it's great with support your lgs you can also shop on their online store or find them on card kingdom
1: Yeah, and they really are the best way to protect your game pieces. Yeah. No joke, Jimmy and I have all of our stuff in Ultra Pro products. They're the ones we personally trust. Yeah, we love their sleeves. All right, now it's time for the end step where we talk about something cool outside the world of magic. We promised we would come back and we would do the N7. Oh, you're and, right. And uh, Jimmy, you said you've been binging a lot of things. Do you want to talk about any of the shows that I you've I have.
2: Been? I mean, I could mention The Mandalorian. I Let's talk like about The Mandalorian. watched it, yeah. Uh, the Mandalorian is a two-season show currently on Disney+. Plus. It takes place after The Return of the Jedi in an indeterminate amount of time between that and The Force Awakens. Somewhat determined now. Yeah, somewhat determined now because we've seen uh, some things in some the major show characters. to help, yeah, yeah. help you out with that. Um, but it's great. It's John Favreau and Dave Filoni. Dave Filoni studied and worked under George Lucas for all of the prequels he's sort of seen as a spiritual successor to george lucas um and embodies a lot of the same spirit of why lucas loved the shows yeah. and the movies and a big part of that is lucas wanted it to be made for kids yeah and so i think that's actually a really important part of star wars because the audience is mostly man babies just kidding um so it is nice to have like sort of that childish spirit in a lot of the show and the show itself really well produced it's fun it's sort of like a, a spaghetti western with yeah. a monster of the week flavor um two seasons on disney plus i liked it a lot have you seen all of it yeah,
1: I I'm caught up now. Um I liked the second season a lot more than the first. Me too.
2: Significantly more actually, I'd say.
1: Yeah, I actually had a little bit of uh, trouble getting through the first season. In that I wasn't compelled to like watch it every night. Mm-hmm. I kind of once I heard season 2 everyone was like season 2 is really good. I kind of I was like okay, I got to just finish season 1. I just had to just, like force myself to watch the yeah. last two. And it's not like force yourself like I thought they were bad. I just wasn't super uh, into it. And then second season, wow. Yeah, second season is really, really good. Yeah, uh, They just really got it down a little bit better. Their storyline, it felt less, like you said, Monster of the week and more like there was cohesive. an overall... Yeah, yeah exactly. Totally. And then everyone's talking about the last episode, which I don't think we should discuss because there are some spoilers related to it. But needless to say, there is a lot to, uh, to dissect after that. As that. a Star Wars fan, too. Yeah, exactly. So if you like Star Wars at all, and even if you don't, my, my girlfriend... Really never grew up watching Star Wars, doesn't care about Star Wars, likes The Mandalorian. Oh, great. Mine too, actually. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think a big part of it too is they they have a
2: nice balance between nostalgia and doing the star wars thing and it it kind of takes place in its own kind of separate world it's not as flashy and overproduced like the new star wars movies it it fits in its own world and i think it's going to be a gateway for a lot more stuff like that
1: you don't need to know all the lore from everything else to to have the context to understand it either Yeah, you can still enjoy it
2: and the more you know you actually enjoy it more like clone wars fans are going to love this season they have a lot of little easter eggs and stuff
1: for sure yeah okay all right uh Big thanks to our editing, graphics, and logistics team. And I want to say that we produced a ton of extra content around Commander Legends. You probably noticed we were doing two episodes of the podcast a week, sometimes like three hours worth of stuff, <laughs> plus extra turns, plus game nights in November and December was just a lot of work for our entire team. And at the end of the year, it's tough. Yeah, because you know? we got the holidays in the middle of all that stuff, and you know we're not asking people to work on Thanksgiving and Christmas and stuff, which means you know putting in some extra hours on those other days just to yep. make sure that we're still on schedule. So Craig Blanchett, Manson Lung, Ashlyn. Rose, Lady Danger Jake Boss Josh Murphy Alfred Estaca, Patrick N- Nan, Sam Waldo Arthur Meadowcroft and Jordan Pridgen everybody on our team working so so hard um, and we'll continue to work hard this year of course but just want to thank them for really ending the year strong yeah they did a fantastic job um, please send them your
2: love or just comment you know if you see a little thumbnail that you love make a comment about it because that's the kind of work that they're putting in that really I think you know ups the game of the channel and, and what the content we can do to uh, deliver it to you
1: yeah, and thank you, everybody else out there who t- tuned tuned all of our stuff in 2020. Uh, we got some big stuff planned, hopefully, for 2021. As we said, we're always trying to one-up ourselves, so stay tuned.
2: Don't forget to hit that subscribe button and that notification bell and uh, leave a comment and a thumbs up, and also thanks to, of course, Jeffrey Palmer, who does the Living Card Animations at the beginning of our show uh, and sometimes behind the as well, although this one was done by Sam. All right, everybody. <sighs> thanks for watching. Feels good. We'll see you next time. Peace.